Three, two, one. Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Ruse Radio. We are back again with a very special guest. Special guest, could you please introduce yourself? Uh, I am GS The Dream, also known as Captain Cloudsville, Sean Sounds, bunch of other names I go by, depending on what I'm doing in the moment. But yeah, I'm here. So when you say that, depending on what you're doing in the moment, how does that yeah. work? Like, it's kind of like how Eminem has Slim Shady and there's like, you know, depending on how he's feeling that day. Is, is it like uh, that? Yeah, it's a little alter ego to it, but it's also like, it's also position. Like if I'm on the song and I'm rapping or I'm singing, I'm just a dream. If I'm behind the boards, if I'm mixing, I'm engineering, I'm making beats, I'm Sean Sounds. If you're trying see. to buy some clothes from me, I'm Captain Cloudsville. Like... <laughs> It really just depends on what's going on. I think Captain Cloudsville is more of like a brand. Like in my head, one of these days I'm going to start shooting commercials. And in my commercials, I'm going to probably be a very corny person, but it's going to be very hard to get it out of your head. And it's kind of going to be like the, um, like Foreman Mills. You know how that commercial, Foreman Mills. It's like, I know what it is. I probably barely ever shopped there. But I can recognize it because that sound is so annoying every time I hear it. So <laughs> <laughs> that's that's my marketing plan for when I start shooting commercials for my clothes and stuff. It's kind of evil. Yeah, yeah it's, it's definitely Like you're hate working marketing. for the devil at that point, <laughs> I feel like. It's hate I mean, marketing. I'm going to make you hate me so much you can't get me out of your head. I'm living your mind rent-free solely because I'm annoying. You know what's funny? He even described the trauma that he wants to relive upon everybody else. Like it happened to him <laughs> when he was a kid with Foreman Wills, and now he yeah. wants it to happen to you. <laughs> yeah. Because it worked. You yeah, know? it you, does work. It's good marketing, right? When you see something work, you kind of just got to see how you can incorporate it. So I'm going to be a little less of an evil genius, but I'm going to still be an evil genius. Well, I feel like that's how great pop hooks work. It's like, it's so catchy. It's kind of ridiculous how catchy it is. Yeah. Like, I want to think, because there's this new song that I have where I was like, I realized, like, I like the hook so much. It's my favorite hook I've ever written. So that's the part I need to record. And I'm just going to trick people into hearing it over and over. And it's going to drill <laughs> it into their brain. And yeah. I know it'll just like the Foreman Mills song. It's going to, they're going to hear it so many times because it's one of those pop songs. It's like, it's a pop hook. And I think pop hooks do that on, on purpose. They like, they're catchy enough yeah. to where it's like you can sing it to yourself on accident later. Like, it's just, yeah. it's just, just catchy enough. You put something in the microwave. Mm, <laughs> yeah. Damn it. How the fuck is this stuck in my head? So, yeah. Because rap hooks don't really do that, but a good pop hook uh-huh. will. That's how, that's what I'm, that's my theory on that. Are you familiar with Kyle, the rapper? Yes, I am. He has a song called Moving. Uh-huh. Does the same exact thing. He says, I'm moving. I'm moving. And he just says it a million times during the hook. And then before you know it, you're rocking along with it. I mean, I'm a Kyle fan, so I, I love his music. So it didn't bother me. But it's I like just like that. the average person who might not be familiar with it, they hear like the little four to the floor beat. And then they hear him saying, I'm moving. <laughs> it's like, bro, what are you doing? <laughs> He's obviously moving because he told you 40,000 times. But yeah. 40,000 times. At least. At least. <laughs> At least. And that's before you put the song on repeat. So Yeah. I you know what I'm thinking now, now that you told me about this, is I'm gonna like it'd be a good rap challenge to do it like fifty percent, two two hundred percent times as fast. Did I say fifty, I meant like 150. 150, 200 percent. I'm moving, 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 I'm moving. I bet I could do it. I bet I could pull it off. I was uh I was talking to somebody a very long time ago and we was like it was around the time where we was, like, really into Absol. It's not like I fell off of Absol. Absol is amazing. But this was, like, around the time where Black Hippie was just starting to get their foot in and starting to get their momentum. And, like, 
it's a control system that just came out and he had a video i think it was for pineal gland or something like that and um it was like little flashes of stuff that was like literally like a split second like if you blinked you didn't see that part of the video and i was just thinking like damn how can we do that with music like i wonder if there's a random phrase or a random word i can just say in the background really low of a song and just like hypnotize people <laughs> like subliminal messages yeah just like <laughs> just throw it back there and it'd just be something harmless like buy more corn or just something stupid <laughs> <laughs> like just something stupid i just wanted to see if i could get if away it with it but i never well, picked the song well i would to try it the best first of all pick a song but like dude study if it works you know like yes you, you gotta pick a topic or something persuasive enough where you can study like did the corn sales go up in the where area I can see yeah where i can check the <laughs> metrics because <for sure. laughs> dude that's subliminal messaging that's literally the plan that's what they do that shit would be crazy uh, yeah i bet it would work because it's like you really like the song and you didn't even realize the song made you want yeah, the corn you didn't even realize i was trying to turn you into a farmer like you didn't know <laughs> You could do some positive stuff with that. Exactly. If that's you had what I'm some like secret pot, yeah. So, what are your ideas? I don't know. Um, I don't know, man. If it's something that's gonna affect the world as a whole, it kind of has to be something that almost everybody does. So it'll probably like it's a lot of people that probably don't eat a lot of vegetables. Maybe they don't like corn. But if I was just like stop fucking raw. Then it's like, oh snap! Condom sales have went up. Like, <laughs> like Durex is bad. <laughs> People are even buying the Durex condoms now. It's crazy. I don't know what started this. So I don't know. It had to be something like that can affect everybody on a global scale. Drink more water is one, but Mick Jenkins does that. So I don't know. I'll figure out something. I always say I'm sponsored by water. That's what I used to always say. Now I have sponsors for the podcast, so I guess I could still say it though. You can always be sponsored by water. That's I'm going to keep doing it. Yeah. Because, yeah, I think water is a great sponsor. The water hasn't let you down, so why would you drop it as a sponsor? Exactly. You know what? If you get canceled and water cancels you, you fucked up. Bro. <laughs> if you get canceled by water, <laughs> like, no, I need you to survive. Water's like, no, nah, I'm not fucking with you no more. <laughs> like, you Man. had to do something crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you get a call from the water guy. Hey, uh, this is Culligan. Um, (laughs) So about these water plugs, I'm going to need you to just stop saying the W word on your podcast, period. I'm like, dude, (laughs) I did that since I was eight. Are you serious? (laughs) For real? I didn't even know you guys knew I did this. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've been watching, you know. (laughs) Can I come and meet you right now? You're real? (laughs) Dude, I'd be freaking out. If I I got a call from the water man, (laughs) I'd be fucking... I'd be on cloud nine immediately. How the fuck did you get my number? Right. You're water That's guy? what I always wonder. Like, people will tell stories about, like, oh, yeah, I was doing such and such, and then I dropped this song, and then next thing I know, Puff was calling me. I'm like, how do these people get your number? But then I'm like, okay, if they have a lot of money, I'm pretty sure they can, like, get in touch with somebody who has your number. But it always just makes me feel, I always have that question, and it never gets answered. Maybe it's like a Nardwar thing. Maybe that's the best way to describe it. Maybe it's just like some random investigative thing where they just know the right people to call and it's just the right person. Like Mark Zuckerberg and, and just be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. his number's connected to his Facebook account. What's, <laughs> hey, this guy here, what's his number? It's probably that easy. Yeah. <laughs> right. Mark, what's his number? Oh, is they one of Everybody's yeah. on at least one. Like if they're not on Facebook, they're probably on Instagram or Snapchat or at least yeah. one. Snapchat's them too? 
I know Instagram and Facebook is both under Meta or whatever. Oh, the well, I was is. just listing social medias, but you could probably get someone's number through Snapchat if you really wanted to. I bet you could. People give their location away on Snapchat. Yeah, now that's fucking crazy. <laughs> I never. That could. is fucking crazy. I, I think I shared my like at first it was on and I didn't know it was on until somebody was like, "Oh yeah, I'm right around the corner from you." I'm like, "How the fuck you know where I am? I'm not even at home. I was at a fair or some shit." My kids and I'm like, how the fuck do you know where I'm at? Like, oh yeah, on the Snap Map. Oh, you didn't know that you had it. Yeah, I didn't know that um, it was a thing. So I guess it, it's on until you turn it off. I guess. I don't so, know. I I just know that as soon as too, I saw so I turned it off yeah. like immediately because like on a, on your phone it'll show you up top if there's something that's monitoring your location. You know what I'm saying? Like, if you have an app open that's monitoring your location. So, if I'm GPSing somewhere and I see it, I'm like, of course, because I'm GPSing. If I get on, like, DoorDash or something like that, okay, they need to see where I'm at to bring my stuff. I get it. But if I'm on Google just searching something, food near me, okay, cool. You're talking about near you. I get it. But if I start searching, like, oh, I need to fix my sink. Where, who has the cheapest faucet? And then they start showing that location up there. I'm like, no, come on, man. Just take me to the Home Depot site. They don't need to know which one I'm closest to. Yeah, I think I'm trying to remember. Do you have an Android or an iPhone? iPhone. I think with my phone, I think I have it turned off, the location thing. And it asks me. I don't know if it does it on Chrome, though. Probably not on Chrome. I know sometimes it's wrong. But, yeah, I don't like it. I don't like it. You're right. It's like every time you look anything up, it yeah. just automatically assumes you want it as close to you as possible. Yeah. 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 And the Snapchat thing, I just remember as soon as that came up years ago, I saw that and I was like, no way. <laughs> like, I, because, you know, curiosity kills the cat, I will be the guy to like look and see like, damn, I wonder what 20 people I'm friends with on Snapchat are around me right now. Like, I'll look at the map. But ain't no goddamn way. I'm not letting everybody else know. Yeah. And I just remember, like, everybody uses that. Everybody. My my mom, I guess this is slightly connected, but I think a lot of people do this now. She wants me to go on this Life360 thing, and it's a family app where it tracks your phone, but it's like you have a certain group of people that you're tracking at a time. So let's say oh, it's me, okay. my mom, my brother, my sister, my uncle, and that's it. Right. So that's the idea. But it's still, to me, in my brain, I get, maybe I'm just like, I have an old school brain. But I'm thinking, like, you do not need to know where right. I am at 24-7. Yeah. Are you crazy? Nah. <laughs> and then that's the thing. Like, they, they have the ability to check it, but it's not like anyone's on their phone 24-7. Like, oh, you just went down the street. You must be getting eggs. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's not like they're just doing that. But I think uh, my girl and her mom has something similar because, like, when we're getting ready to drop the girls off at their grandma's house or whatever, if her mom doesn't respond fast enough, she can look and be like, okay, she's at home. So it's okay for us to go drop them off or whatever. So I get it in that sense, but I just can't imagine really sharing my location with too many people for whatever. Like if it's friends and family, like really, really close friends and family, I could kind of see how somebody would be comfortable doing it. Not me, but somebody. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, I can understand. Like, it has its applications. Like, yeah. I get why it's a thing. It's just not a thing for me. Yeah, yeah. No, when I say all of this, what I am saying is I see it and I go, can't be me. Yeah, <laughs> right. Immediately. Immediately. You want my what? No, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> yeah, who do you think I am? <laughs> right. Have you met me? I'm not even doing nothing spectacular. Like, if you want to see me on the couch for two hours, 
Go at it, but you know, well, just ask thing, me if I'm still on the couch. Don't track my location. Just text me. Yeah, just yeah. text me. Because that's the thing I was going to say. This is how my family uses it from what I've observed, is they'll be like at a restaurant and they're waiting for you to get there. And they're like, I wonder if they even left their house yet. And then they look and they see that you're still at your house. And you know they're going to give you more shit than they would have given you yeah. if they didn't know... No, it was traffic. You didn't know it was traffic? Yeah. No, I saw you were in the shower. It shows me what level you're on. <laughs> I know your elevation. That'd be fucking crazy. Yeah, right? it's yeah, too much. you were on the second story. What are you still doing on the second story? It's just your bed in the bathroom. You were in the fucking shower. Yeah, I've seen her make phone calls. I've seen her at a restaurant getting upset because she had too much information. And she she was like, yeah. I'm going to call. And I, I was watching it happen. And I was thinking, like, if she did not have this app and she did not know where my sister is right now. There would be no problem at all. Yeah, we would just be chilling here being like, yeah, we don't know where she is, whatever. But right. you have too much information. Yeah. You don't need to know this. That's the thing, too. Having so much access to so much information just gives you more shit to be mad about. Mm-hmm. Like, until you know something's happening, you don't have the opportunity to be mad at it. Yeah, because As think soon as about, it gets in your head, now you got to decide, do I like this or do I hate this? Yeah. Like, I've heard that it's best to uh, not encounter anything for up to, like, 30 minutes after you wake up in the morning. Just because it's, it's a physio- physiological thing because it has to do with the way that your body recovers from sleep. But to me, like, I've done it before. Like, just even not looking at your phone. Just, just trying to avoid most interruptions if you can. And it's just like it helps you kind of have a neutral stance throughout the rest of your day. Because obviously your morning is a very, it's like the beginning it's pivotal, part. Yeah. It's pivotal, yeah. So if you just avoid bullshit for those first 30 minutes, because as soon as something else encounters you, now you're, you're deciding, like you said, if you like it or not and how you're going to react. And there's all this equation. When it, when it was just you, when it was just you doing your thing, right. it was... A very simple thing that was happening. Yeah. So I try to I try to hold by that. I think that's why meditating is okay. probably a good thing, right? You learn. Yeah, how to... I do that in the morning sometimes. Um, I don't do it as often as I should, but maybe like two, three times a week when I wake up. Um, I use like the guided meditation videos on YouTube and stuff like that. So, um, uh, or how long are they? Uh, somewhere between fifteen and twenty minutes. Okay, that's not bad. Sometimes it'd be like ten minutes. Some of the shorter ones, but you know, it's just a really quick thing. So I have. Um, an alarm that wakes me up before I need to go wake other people up. <laughs> and then I go off of that alarm and then I'll use the 15 or 20 minutes that I would normally just lay in bed and roll over and just be like, oh, I got to really get up in a minute. Yeah. I would take that time and just use it to meditate. And then a lot of times they'll have like a <clears throat> like a caption, like, okay, this one is focusing on having positive energy. This is focusing on um letting go or this is focusing on forgiveness or whatever so i just scroll through the little the videos until i see a headline that i feel like resonates with me or what i want to focus on for the next 15 20 minutes then i just knock that out and move with my day like that now 30 minutes i don't know i probably find a little video and then go straight to my phone and digest whatever's on instagram at the time so I need to start thinking, like, if I could get a good 45 minutes at the beginning of my day and not look at any social media for a week straight, I know I can make it a habit and just, like, keep running with that momentum. It's the habitualizing of it that's hard. Because it's, like, the first day, even the first day might not be too bad, but, like, you just, (laughs) dude, you're so habitualized in doing it that 
that's what makes it hard because it's like the first day you might be able to do it and then the second or third day you just do it with an accident like you yeah can't. it's like fuck now i gotta start over <laughs> yeah yeah and i heard someone say um i think it was andrew huberman the neuroscientist he has an awesome podcast uh, but I think it was him that said it takes 90 days to break a habit. Like, that's the to furthest break. research okay. they have. Like, to properly break a habit. Like, let's okay. say in your brain, you're actually rewiring your brain. I think that's what he was saying. It takes 90 actual days. So, okay. But can you imagine that? Not reaching your phone in the morning Three for months. 90 days for at least yeah. an hour or so. <clears throat> that's tough. That's great. Yeah, because, like, all of the, the stuff that I do in the morning kind of happens on my phone like the, the it, meditation it the thing happens on my phone oh, even the meditation the meditation thing is my phone checking the weather to figure out how i need to dress my kids that's my phone yeah um so i mean it's some kind of technology involved i could always go in the bathroom and ask alexa what's going on i guess <laughs> that's kind but of that's cheating, so though. weird yeah like it's it's basically like working around it's like oh you said i couldn't touch my phone you didn't say i couldn't Talk so, to Alexa. Yeah, so, <laughs> Alexa weird. just becomes your I, new phone. <laughs> you know what? I think I would just need to do certain things ahead of time. Like, you know what? I can check the weather for tomorrow the night before. It's not going to change that much. That's actually, that's a good solution. I wasn't even going to think to suggest, yeah, suggest that. That was That's better than anything I would have came up with. That's pretty yeah, good. So, yeah. you know, it's, it's certain things. You can just set things in motion to set yourself up for success. And I think that's a... Uh, that would be an easy, like, quick fix. Like, oh, just check the night before. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, and you could accomplish it. See, and that's the thing that we do as humans. We set up these these reasons oh, yeah. not it's, to do it. It's impossible. <laughs> yeah, you just nah. in real time just <laughs> yeah. came up with the yeah. way to not but do But you know that. what? I always, t- I always talk to my friends about this. Like, when did we start doing that? Because when you were a kid, mm-hmm. if you wanted something on the shelf, you didn't ask somebody. You didn't say, oh, my goodness, it's on top of that shelf. I'm never going to get it. You moved the chair in front of the refrigerator or in front of the cabinet or whatever. You climbed on the chair, not even knowing if it was going to hold you for real. Like, as a kid, we just do shit. Yeah. But then as we get older and we experience failure enough times for the failure to sit in and for us to get uncomfortable with how that feels, then we stop just doing shit because that's what we want to do. We're like, oh, no, I'm not going to do that because this could happen, this could happen, this could happen. And then that pessimism just kind of builds up and then it becomes who you are in a lot of different ways. But as a kid... No, give me the fucking Fruity Loops. Like, I'm about to climb on top of this, climb on top of that. We see it in cartoons. I don't know where we get it from, but we're like, if I stack up enough shit, I can reach what I need to reach. I don't <laughs> even know why I want it. It caught my eye, and now I'm hungry. I want these Fruit Loops. I'm going to stack some shit up and get it. That's where the crate challenge came from. You Somebody see? probably watched some kids. Like, they don't have no business on that. <laughs> I wonder if I can get a whole bunch of adults to do the same fucking thing. They turned it into a challenge, and people broke their necks and shoulders all over America. Man, I didn't see the crate challenge. That was a thing. That was a thing. People took, like, the milk crates, and they just stacked them up on different tiers, like the end of a Mario level. And people <laughs> would try to get all the way up one side and then all the way down the next side. The people who made it up very seldom made it down. Uh-huh. The people who were like fell off on their way up a lot of times they land on their feet they laugh it off when people that are on their way down from the other side with all that momentum from climbing to the top they got fucked up (laughs) (laughs) it was crazy yeah yeah a lot of risk going on there but uh i was gonna say i feel like a lot of the best role models in life are people that maintain a childlike imagination 
And I mm. swear that someone said to me, it's best to be childlike, not childish. And I don't know where that quote comes from, but I like that one too. Because you don't want to be childish in nature. You want to make mature decisions. But right. to be childlike and to have that imagination and that wonder within you, I think that's what keeps people truly alive. And yeah. I've noticed in my own personal experience that the more things I do that make me feel like I am truly experiencing things, the more alive I Like, it's just having that nature to explore and to seek out new things. And I think that most people, like you said, they just lose touch with that. Yeah, yeah. I think it happens somewhere because, I don't know, like, I used to, oh, that's conversations, man. But um, when you said the childlike versus the childish thing and the people, like, who are most influential kind of have that childlike wonder in them, first thing I thought of was Andre 3000. Mm. Because a lot of people will take his verses and break them down like they're this super complex thing. And he himself will tell you, no, nah, that's how I speak. Like, that's how I talk. That's how I think. And um, even on the, the, he had a song with T.I., the I'm Sorry song, where he was like, man, the whole reason Outcast fell apart is because Big Boy wanted to get together and throw this big reunion tour and this and that. And he was like, bro, I'm a kid at heart. I don't care about how much money we gonna make doing this. It's not gonna be fun to me. Like, it's not something I want to do. I don't really see the 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 joy in it. So um, that was one point. The second thing was me and my grandma, rest in peace, she used to always have these conversations with me, and I would always ask her, like, is that nature or is that nature? Is that who that person is or is that what that person learned? What in particular? What, like, it is... Um, like is what nature like, or nurture? Just however some just whatever decision somebody's making that they're being judged for, I used to just be like, Okay, is that nature or is that nurture? Like did they uh, learn that or is that just them? And I was kinda like people who I feel like as a kid, like if we we're just in a broad sense, something that affects me on a regular day, let's say racism, right? I don't feel like as a kid, people are born racist. I feel like as a kid all you want to do is have fun. All you want to do is play. You have all of this energy and you want other people to expand this energy out with. You just want to run around with somebody your age. You just want to. But then you have people around you or you listen to society. Say, oh, no, don't play with them. Why not? Just no, we don't, we don't play with them. And then before you know it, subconsciously, person starts having a bias towards people that look a certain way because my parents always said no we don't play with people like that my parents didn't necessarily say oh no we don't deal with black people or we don't deal with people that you know hair looks like this or whatever like it's not like they're characterizing these people and saying anything derogatory but the more i steer you away from that the more either you're going to be interested and dive straight into it or you're going to come up with your own reasons for why i'm steering you away from it Right. So it's like you're you're taught to look at that that way. When you first walk into the situation, this is just another person. Yeah, and I think the way you just described it puts it well in the sense too that it's the fact that the communication is incomplete that makes it so bad. It's yeah. the fact that you, I don't have the information to make my own decision. Yeah, I'm going based off of what somebody is telling me or what I think they're trying to tell me. Yeah, and you don't know what the fuck they're <laughs> what trying the to fuck say. They're saying. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I think um, something as simple or something as complex as that really breaks down to 
how people are raised from the beginning. Because, I mean, I know people who are white that grew up in, you know, blocks away from me that, you know what I'm saying, can go into a situation and look at it objectively. Like, no, okay, this is my family. These are white people. I love them. These are my friends that I grew up around. These are black people. I love them, too. Yeah. And then it's just love all the way around because they never were steered in any direction. They just got to experience these people for who they were. And then they built the relationship they built. They lost the relationship they lost, whatever, win or lose. But they never attributed race to the character of somebody because they seen people from both, you know, groups of people just fit into their life. Have you heard how Morgan Freeman has talked about Black History Month? Because to me... It's it's a similar way of thinking in the sense that, like, when he's asked about Black History Month, he says that he wishes there wasn't a history month for black people. Is there a history month for white people? Is there a history month for all these other races? Like, why is there a need to single out this one race? Just the fact that we're even thinking about it in that way. Like, right. It should just be that we're all equal and we're all making accomplishments, and what separates yeah. us is what makes us better. And we should be proud of the fact that we're different, but also not single out different people for different reasons because then we all start getting divisive and why yeah. did why, you just don't need to even bring race into a lot of these things a I lot think of that's, it yeah, yeah that's, be that's a, a lot easier yeah. if race wasn't involved and people would just <clears throat> yeah they would just get along better they, they're getting taught to think of it that way like you're saying and, and that's the frustrating part to me is like people don't even realize they're looking at it through the wrong framework yeah. like no dude that could been be told, you in a different you've been told life. something for so long you feel like that's your thought process or you feel like it was your decision like you thought that originally yeah yeah because you don't you yeah it's yeah. just like oh these name brand chips taste way better than the store brand a lot of times that it could be true it could not be true but it's like you look at the bag and be like nah that bag looks cheap i'm not buying these chips yeah and those chips could bang like them <laughs> chips could be amazing trust me but you don't we know. know this from experience yeah like but you don't know <laughs> because you're like oh it's not doritos i'm not buying that yeah. So, you know, it's, it's kind of the same thing. It's like things outside of you and your thought process make decisions for you on a regular, everyday basis. Yeah. People, there's some people that only go to a certain gas station because I've been going to this gas station for years. I don't care if their gas is 15 cents higher than down the block. This is the gas station I go to. And it's the best gas station in the God in the galaxy. damn world. <laughs> you know, this is the only coffee I'll drink. Yeah, I know I can buy coffee at home, but it's not Starbucks. Yeah, I know I can make a burger at home, but it's not Burger King. It's not McDonald's. It's not whatever. So these brands that you see every day, and I mean, that's the beauty of marketing. You know, if you're on the right side of it, it's like, oh, I'm just raking this money because I've convinced people that this product is the best version of whatever it is. I've convinced people that they need this. They can't live without it. But at the same time, on a human level, when you look at the choices you make, a lot of it is based off of branding. A lot of it is based off of society. And a lot of it is based off of ideas that got placed in your head that you had absolutely nothing to do with. Everything is a ruse. <laughs> and that's the idea of my name. Okay. That's how I explain it. You, know, you, you, just, right, so, you just wrapped so the story, it all for me. So the story, um, I... I purposely said, look, I need to save this for when everything's rolling. So when the name first came across my page, I read Rules. I see R-U-S-E. In my head, I said Russ. So for a very long time, I thought you were just a really big Russ fan. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, man, 
he's posting this rush shit a lot. <laughs> so it wasn't until I heard somebody say Rules Radio like out loud and I was like, fuck, I've been hearing that wrong so fucking long. And then I went and actually saw like episodes that you did with people and I'm like, oh shit. This is a totally different person. This is not Russ. Like, I'm like, why is, this, why is this person from my city posted so much damn Russ? Is Russ secretly from Flint? Like, I didn't know what was going on. So, like, when I, like, broke those two ideas apart in my head and realized you were a totally different entity, that's when I checked you out and I saw the conversations you have with people kind of got to see what I'd be walking into doing a, you know, an interview and stuff like that. But I was like... For a very long time, I was like, this guy loves Russ. <laughs> <laughs> well, let me say, uh, you're not the first one. Uh, you're probably the first one to, at least as far as I know, n- think that I was Russ for that long. Because most <laughs> of the time, <laughs> what happens is, and 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 let me just defend myself before I even get into this whole Ruse Russ debacle, okay? Because <laughs> I'm glad you bring this up. I don't know if I've ever gotten into this on the podcast so the whole problem is I didn't know of Russ when I started making music as Roos. I barely even knew who Kendrick Lamar or Mac Miller were. I barely even listened to music at that point in time. I was just I like knew Eminem and like a few other rappers, probably on YouTube. Like I swear. Right. Maybe I knew some rappers. Maybe I'm misremembering, but like I'm telling you. So I just went with Roos. I'm pretty I say all that because I think Russ was around around like twenty twelve. I think, but he wasn't popular at the time. I don't yeah, think. Yeah, it's fair to say the popularity came later. Yeah, so yeah. Ah, he just beat me to the popularity thing, and so now <laughs> whenever I'm like walking around and I'm playing a show or however it goes, and they see the name, they'll say, hey, Russ? And I'll go, nah, it's Ruse. But, so it's a good 50-50, and you know what's fun about it? Oh. At this point, I've come to accept it. It's like, you know, if they like if they get it right, that's even. It's like a bonus. And the other thing is, it's just generic enough to like. I got to get popular before some of these random ass rock bands that I keep finding popping up on like Spotify and SoundCloud. Like it's just generic enough. Yeah. So you know, it kind of puts me in crunch time. There's a lot of reasons to keep Ruse. It's a beautiful name. But all that being said, uh, Ruse Russ, Ruse Russ. Was that it? I think that was about it. Wh- why did we bring up Ruse Russ? Because I was reading Ruse, but in my head, I kept saying Russ. And for a very long time, I thought, yo, like, yeah. you were just a really big Russ fan. Like, I think I laid the whole thing out, yeah. But how, so are we talking like six months? Is that what it was? Man. Um, I think the first time I saw it was probably when the world made everybody sit the fuck down. And uh, we were sitting around. Yeah, so we were just... I don't even know what it was. I don't know if it was because well, you some said Elijah Wan and Damon, Co- Damon Compton when we were talking yeah. off air. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Yeah, he uh, he showed me that one when I told him I was coming here because I was with him yesterday. Oh, uh, okay. So he so, showed me that one, but I saw some other ones. Where, um, yeah, and you were probably about to say because it was chilling. You were chilling on your couch at home, not doing shit. Yeah, just <laughs> I was. I mean, I had way more time to just consume content at that point. We all did, like, my friend. I think like, we all know what you're talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So that was kind of around the time where I first got, like, when I first saw it on my timeline or whatever, just, you know, spending more time on social media, you start seeing people that you're friends with 
but you don't necessarily interact with as much because they've already showed you the people you interact with. So now here's the rest of your friends list. So you were mixed in with some of that, and I'm like, man, this man really loves Russ. Like, did you I actually like hear the songs and think it was Russ? Did you actually hear it? You know what? I kept saying, I kept seeing Ruse Radio. And okay. that's what made me feel like, oh, okay, Russ must be going live. <laughs> Tory Lanez had the little like club Tory or whatever the fuck he did where he was going live and people were coming on there. So I was thinking it was something like that. And then it was probably late 2021 when I like really heard somebody say Ruse. Oh, yeah, I was, going, I was on Ruse. I just wouldn't talk to him. It was on what? Ruse. I'm like, Russ? Ruse, bro. Look at it. Look at how I spell Oh shit! It is rude. <laughs> well, honestly, I, I'm yeah. happy to hear the story. That's fun. That's fun. And yeah, it's just a thing that happens throughout time. That's why I explained the whole thing just to defend myself, I suppose, because it always happens. Yeah, yeah. Well, something similar happened to me when I was like way younger. Like when I was younger, kind of like I've I've been writing music for a really long time for a very sad reason, but we can talk about that later. But um. I've been writing music for a really long time. And the thing about starting music when you're young is you don't know who the fuck you want to be. So I went through my fair share of rap names. And um, around the time where my cousins were like introducing me to the Smack DVDs where people were like rap battling and rap was like really aggressive and 50 Cent was the man and, you know what I'm saying, Ja Rule and DMX were the guys that were kind of running hip hop at the time. I got the idea that I was a super hardcore rapper, right? Somewhere in my 13, 14-year-old brain, I was extra gangster. So my rap name was Arsenal because if somebody has a bunch of guns, <laughs> they have an arsenal. So I just thought it was a cool rap name. And then uh, I'm on MySpace. This is back when MySpace was still a thing. I'm on MySpace and I see somebody named Arsenal and he's getting like a bunch of plays and all of this other stuff. He's from New Jersey. So years later, I realized that this guy kept running with Arsenal and he's a very famous battle rapper now. But in 2004, 2005, I'm in his MySpace inbox like, hey, you loser. Give me my name. Like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm fighting with this person over a name. He probably had it for years at that point. But, yeah, I ended up switching my name, like, two years later anyway. So that was a very pointless message. Arsenal, if you watch this randomly one day, it's no problem, bro. We good. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's been 20 years. He might still be holding the grudge. <laughs> he might be. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I don't know. It's been a while, man. But, you know, things have changed a lot. And he was a battle rapper, so just imagine if he, like, came at you in the in 20 years <laughs> And he's later. a very disrespectful battle rapper, too. <laughs> so if he actually knew anything about my life, oh, yeah, he's just, I'm about to go cry somewhere. Yeah. Like, That'd be a very fitting conclusion to that story. That would be crazy. He'd just throw me in a round <laughs> randomly. I hope that he sees this and <laughs> takes my advice. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, you know what? Huh. <laughs> it's pretty good. I remember that message. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> fuck that guy. <laughs> right. So, how many names did you go through? You, man, um, um, probably like at least five. Oh, boy. I know for sure it was at least five. I remember um, Arsenal came around when I was like in the, <clears throat> when I was like entering high school, kind of. 
Um, before that, I was I actually stole. I, I was G three because uh, I'm the third George in my family. My grandfather was George. My dad was George. I'm George G three, which was probably one of the. I could have just ran with that, but what's crazy is. A friend of mine is actually G3 now, and he's also George, and he's also the third in his family. And we have the same best friend. Like, Did he get his name from you? <clears throat> no. Wow. <laughs> he didn't even know I went by that when he started doing music. But it was, it was just crazy. And it's just like, we're linked because of this one person. And I was just in my head, like, bro, did you not make friends with anybody else with any other name? Because, like, your best friend <laughs> from your, your best friend from your neighborhood is named George. The best friend that you met in school is named George. We're not just talking like, about oh, a big George's must be cool as fuck. Yeah, like, we're like, talking about how many, like... Small-ass friends. <laughs> like, it's not even a lot of Georges our age. For real. Like... It's rare to even see a George. Yeah, I try to get that name away. I'm, no, don't call me that. Call me Sean. Like, it was the whole other thing. But, like, yeah, so it was just very ironic that he was also the third. And he's we have the same best friend. It's like we were in a parallel universe, but at the same time. Like, <laughs> well, dude, I mean, I would look at it as, like, one of those beautiful little synchronicities of the universe, I suppose. Like, what are the fucking odds what of another the, dude? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's that's just crazy. wild that that even could happen. Yeah. <laughs> like, bro, your rap name is what now? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's wild. But, yeah, so that was that was the weird, like, thing. So I started off with G3. Um, my cousin was J-Kid at the time. And then he retired that name for whatever reason. But he said it in one of his raps that was, like, really, really cool to me. So I went to school, and I rapped that rap to other people like it was mine because I wanted to feel as cool as he looked when he said it. You memorized so the I was whole J thing? For like, oh, I used to memorize lyrics like a motherfucker. My thing, it, when I got started writing music, it was because... I heard a song and I was thinking like, no, nah, it'd be a lot cooler if he said it this way. So I started by rewriting other people's verses. And then that graduated to me just taking instrumentals and writing verses of my own. So at first I would just rewrite other people's verses. I would write their verse and throw my name in there or switch a line and make it seem like it was about me. And then I just started writing like full verses, you know, but I would never write more than a verse until I got kind of older. Like, as far as putting songs together, that probably came more so, like, late middle school, high school. But, like, as far as just putting words together or trying to say punchlines that I thought were cool, eight, nine, Were you passing ten. it off as your own the whole time? Then? Oh, when I was running around with his rap? Oh, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> like I was J-Kid. I, I took over his name just because I liked that verse. But I mean for the whole eight years. Because oh, you were saying you weren't writing oh, until... No, no, no. I wasn't even telling people I was rapping. I wasn't okay. I wasn't even like I wasn't even in my circle of friends trying to rap and like let them know I did it. It was kind of just something I did in my room when I was done with my homework cuz I was one of those kids that kind of got their work done fast, so I just had time at the end of class, so I would finish my little paper, hand that in, and then I would draw or I would just write, you know, in the back of the notebook in the pages I knew I wasn't going to get to in this school year. And then I would just rewrite verses. And that was just my shit. You kind of, like, started with the Weird Al method in a way. Yeah, it was weird, man. Like, um, if I could pinpoint, like, the moment I wanted to start rapping, it was, like, a little bit after my mom passed. My mom passed when I was eight. And um, 
I remember just putting myself in my room and not really wanting to do anything. I didn't want to talk to anybody. Um, I wasn't really eating. It was like a good like month before I even started like speaking to people again. And like my grandparents were kind of lenient at that time because, you know, as a kid, you know, if you got to go to school, you just got to take your ass to school. But, you know, they saw that I was grieving and they kind of like let me have my grieving process. So shout out to them for that. But <clears throat> it was a long time before I even wanted to interact with, like, humans because there was nothing somebody could tell me that was going to bring my mom back. So I locked myself in my room pretty much for the majority of the day unless I had to put something in my stomach because I was weak or I had to go to the bathroom or whatever. But in that time, in that room, <clears throat> I had my radio and I had the Feel So Good single. And it was Mace, and it was Diddy, and I remember the video because they was, like, dancing. They had the shiny suits, and they were happy. And that was the only thing that I could think of that made me feel, like, happy. So I'm like, oh, I want to do this. I want to put words on a beat and just bring people some kind of joy in life. So that was kind of the moment where I told myself, you know what, I am going to do music in some kind of way. Because you just felt that that was a way you could express yeah, emotion. Because if it helped me at that moment where I felt like, fuck humanity, you know, as an eight-year-old, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I was getting ready to write everybody off as an eight-year-old. So I feel like if music kind of helped me get out of that, like, really dark moment, out of that thought process, out of those feelings, then I needed to do something to kind of give back to to music or give other people an opportunity to hear music that lifts them out of stuff. Yeah. So. Yeah. I mean, for me, I always try to <clears throat> motivate people with my music for a similar reason. I mean, I just feel like the music has this power that other things don't have. It's kind of crazy to me. Um, yeah. I heard a quote once that's like, uh, the that I can't remember exactly how it goes, so I know I'm paraphrasing, but it's like... Um, that people look crazy when you watch them dancing only if you don't hear the music. Yeah. And what, I, I know that's not it, but the whole idea is it gets it like, if you don't f see how music is guiding people, you don't even truly understand. If you don't hear the music, you don't get it. Like, yeah. music has this power that's, I think, beyond a lot of things. Beyond language, even. I mean, you can love songs that are in different languages. Probably different language, yeah. Yeah, and, and, and that is a whole thing that blows my mind. Or even the way that... You see, like, um, I've seen uh, these older gentlemen on TikTok that are UK rappers that are very yeah. popular. <laughs> and that can't happen without that that barrier being broken. And uh, music yeah. is what's happening there. It's the music that makes those people connect with everyone. Right. They're just whatever they're doing. Uh, I've I came up with this live on the podcast, and I like to say it now. It's my new theory. It's kind of, I, I think it goes along the lines of the conversations you had with your grandma. I like to think of it like, uh, a life worst lived is a life where intuition is not in tune with the universe. I think to live a good life, you want to live by your own intuition, but your intuition has to be in tune with what's actually happening around you. And that's the hard part, is okay. figuring out how to balance that. Yeah, That's how I like to look at it. So, And yeah, I just think I like to put that in my music. I like to put that, I think music... Can, is is like the one equalizer, man. I like to put whatever it is, whatever it is that can bring people together and just make people 
do what we're doing now and just talk to each other and have a good time. Man. Yeah. Like, I just yeah. want to make that a thing in the universe, if that's possible. And man. I think music's one way to do it. I think music's one of the <clears throat> most powerful ways to do it. And uh, that's great that you had that experience early on, because I imagine that changed your whole life. I mean, it's, yeah. it's, it's a tragic way for that to happen. I'm so sorry to hear yeah. that happen to you, but... You have to imagine that you wouldn't be you without everything that led to now. And it's just, it's, man, it's wild the things that, that change us, I suppose. Like, what happened? I can't yeah. imagine how something might change me in two months from now, you know? It's, yeah. it's wild. The world is a crazy it's fucking crazy, place, Crazy, wild, random occurrence. You can't predict anything. Yeah, like, yeah. It, there's so much shit that's just, that you could never see coming in a million years, or you'd never guess. And those are the things that truly change you the most. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, yeah. I, I, my connection to music is very strong. I can't imagine what my life would be without it. T to me, too, along the lines of what we're saying, it allows me to express myself in a way that I can't express myself in any other way, which that's what I truly love it for the most, I think, is there's times when I write a song and I can't even, like, put into words what it exactly is like i'd rather just show you the song than me even try to yeah like you just need to hear like, i can't song. even give you the preface like i don't <laughs> yeah. even know how to prepare you for what you about to hear just listen yeah yeah i don't even know what i did here just check this out yeah. like, please <laughs> no so. i was uh, i was recently writing a song like do you know how sometimes you can hear a song and it automatically takes you back to the moment you first heard it Oh yes, it's like a it's like a time portal. Like it is just like take looking at a you. picture. Yeah, and um, I was writing a song called "Life in Rhymes." So it's basically like different projects that came out or songs that came out during my life where I can like literally pinpoint what I was doing when I first heard this. Like I know exactly where I was the first time I heard Fifty Cent in the club. I remember exactly. You know, I was watching One Hundred Six in Park. I was sitting down on my auntie's couch or whatever, watching it with my cousins. I remember hearing that version. Then I remember my cousin getting the album and us listening to the song and me singing the edited video version and him sitting there like this, waiting until the part that wasn't edited came up so I could look stupid saying the edited words while he's just looking at me like, no, nah, that's not how the real song goes. Like, it's almost like he set it up like a prank. Like, oh, yeah, we, we about to get him. Like, if the cameras were popular back then, he would have recorded that and that would have been on YouTube somewhere for the world to, to see years later. But it's almost like... I know exactly, like, that's 10 different moments of my childhood that I could pinpoint just to 50 Cent in the club. So imagine the same thing that's going on with the albums that came from there, that came from, like, College Dropout. Um, I know where I was the first time I heard the Black Album. I know where I was, like, the first time I heard a lot of different things. So I kind of was writing this song kind of just trying to pinpoint, like, these are albums that kind of shaped how I see time. Cause I'm like, okay, well this happened in my life. And I was between this album and this album and this happened. And I was between when this song came out and I remember her because the first time I saw her, this song was playing in the back of my head. So that had to be around the time where it was on the radio all the time, blah, 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 blah. By the time I met her streaming was popping. So I remember the song that was on my playlist. Like I can really map out, my entire life's journey based off of what I was listening to when shit happened. So yeah. I was like, man, if I condense this, this could be a really cool song. 
So I'm in a process of writing Life and Rhymes right now. And hopefully I get it done before the end of the summer because I'm planning on dropping like early fall, end of the summer type Is it shit. a whole project? Yeah. Okay. So I know yeah. I've seen some things on Facebook about this, but that's as much as I know about it. So I that's guess with, with everything you've really. said now, is there anything else we can know about this project? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so let's let's do the whole deep dive on it. It's called It's Not You, It's Me. Okay. And what's the first thing you think of when you hear that phrase? Like, it's not you, it's it's me. Well, I would think when of do a people normally say that? I would think a relationship immediately. Right. Like it's a it's it's a, it's someone saying to their significant other, I'm sorry, it's not you, it's me. Like probably a breakup. Probably a breakup. Relationship, right. probably a breakup. That's how I would yeah. And that's the first impression I want people to get when they hear the title. But it's a totally different experience when, when I break it down. So I spent a lot of my life kind of um, people pleasing for lack of better words, right? I've been minimalizing myself, trying to make sure I don't take up too much space in a certain area or, you know, I just don't want to be the person that's in the way. So a lot of the times I would prioritize what other people want or how I think they might feel over how I felt. So... This project is about me changing that dynamic and kind of rerouting how I think, kind of rewiring my brain like we talked about earlier to where I'm not necessarily spending so much time trying to please people. I'm spending more time pouring into my own happiness and making myself the priority. So when it comes to my priorities, it's not you. It's me. So that's where the, the title really comes into place. And that's why... I chose that title because it's something that you can hear and you automatically form your opinion about what it means. And then you listen to the project and it's like, that's nowhere near. <laughs> Why did you name it this? That doesn't fit. But it does when you, you know, you tap in and then when people watch this interview and then they hear why this sounds the way it sounds with that title. It's a mind fuck, you know what I'm saying? I, I feel like I took a lighter approach to my actual writing process. It's not as heavy as a project as Malcolm Y or some of my projects in the past have been. And I feel like with it being an easier listen, it needed to have some kind of deeper meaning behind it so it still felt like me. Like it didn't feel like I was losing myself to blend in. It's like, I'm going to be listenable. I'm going to give you the songs you can put in the car or get dressed to or just listen to socially. But the motif of the album or the, the, the hidden meaning is still going to mean something, whether you hear it on the first listen or whether you just put it together when you hear me explain it somewhere. So you're never, <clears throat> is there never really a point in the album when you're saying that then, when you're really laying it out? Like there's not a single track called, if it's, or there's not a single track called, It's Not You, It's Me. Right? That's the intro. Oh, so it is there. Yeah. But are you, yeah. are you laying it out right there? Like is it, is it something that is up for people to interpret or do you kind of lay out the idea of the project in the intro is what i'm asking it's in it's throughout the project so in the beginning it's kind of about the beginning of the rewiring process um one of the first lines i say in the project is i'm relearning shit i was supposed to know so it's like you know that you can't make everybody happy but I spent so much of my life trying to make everybody happy. So now it's like, damn, I'm learning how to take care of myself because they're going to have their opinion anyway. Right. It's like, in your 30s, you shouldn't be learning that lesson. You should know that 
You should have learned that somewhere in your late teens, 20s, somewhere in there. You don't learn that shit when you're 30. But I'm saying that because it's like I really had to make a conscious decision like recently that, you know, I can't keep living my life for other people. So that's kind of the first words that I even say on the project. And then I have a, a song called Something Different where... It's not until the second verse, because the first verse is, you know, opening up the vibe. But in the second verse, I talk about, like, the balance of life. And it's like, if I if I get something right, the way that my pessimism works is like, oh, I'm stressing about the next thing, because everything can't go right. So if I got this perfect over here, I'm stressing about something else. If I focus over here, I'm neglecting something else. Like, I, have a, I had a problem kind of balancing things, and I literally say that in the song. If it goes right, then I stress something different. Focus over here, then neglect something different. Like, it's it's just how I noticed my pattern was in the past to kind of me trying to rework things. So it's a subtle way to kind of keep that song into the the bigger picture because it's not like I'm just going full songs saying, hey, I'm not focusing on you no more. It's me and beating on my chest. But it's like I hide certain things to where... If you're listening for them, you'll see them. You'll you'll find them, and then the whole picture makes sense. If you're just enjoying the music, just enjoy the music. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not the kind of person that sits down and dissect things anyway. You just want some music that you can enjoy. And if that's your journey, that's how you want to enjoy the album, that's how you want to consume it, by all means, I have no problem with that. But if you want to get that deeper like understanding, just listen to all the songs and focus on the the sentences and the metaphors that lead back to what I said the whole project was about. I and it's a totally thought, different experience. This beautiful thought about what we were saying at the beginning of this podcast about subliminal messaging. And you're probably getting a lot of those people <laughs> with subliminal messaging right there. Probably, yeah. yeah. You're already doing it. And I didn't even have to tell people to drink more water. That's crazy. Yeah. I'm telling people to focus on this. That's what I'm saying. You see? That's crazy. Yeah, you're doing, you're doing, because I was saying, you got to do it in a positive way. How's it possible? You just showed me the way. <laughs> you're already doing you it. figured this, I didn't even know what I was doing. I was subliminally, yeah. <laughs> subliminally messaging. It's probably just something you were it's feeling crazy. in your soul and it just happened to happen in the music, right? Like, it was yeah. like, oh, I guess this is what this No, because I was be going through a lot of shit in, like, actual everyday life that was kind of just getting me to that realization. It was like, you know what? I've been doing a lot of things wrong. Um, I I stopped myself from walking in rooms where I would have been welcome just because I felt like I didn't work hard enough to get there. Um, and that was kind of a self-esteem thing. And I really just been looking at how I've been moving through life. And I kind of just got to a point where it's like, okay, if the things that you thought you were supposed to be doing haven't gotten you the results that you felt like you should have, maybe try something different. Maybe try something that doesn't feel like it it drains so much energy from you. Try just being you and see where that gets you. Because if you lose being yourself, all right, you tried your best, you know. But if you lose being someone else's version of something, it's always going to be in the back of your head. Like, fuck, I should have just did it the way I wanted to. Yeah. And it's almost like having people on your team. It's like I do so many things on my own because if I lose, oh, well, I just wasted my time. I wasted my money. But if I have people that believe in me and they dedicate their time to stuff and then we lose as a team, I'm like, fuck, I was supposed to be leading y'all to victory. Like, now I feel bad because I made y'all waste y'all time with me. So, I've noticed that's a vibe 
when I was in a band for a little bit, that was definitely like the difference between being a solo performing artist as opposed to being in a band. That's cool when you're on stage because you feel like more obligated to be cool. You got a whole fucking, you're all up there doing your best. Yeah. So that made me do better, I felt like. But the other part of it was that, uh, yeah, it's like, you just feel like, like, fuck, dude, I can't. I can't even show up to practice like 20 minutes late, y'all motherfuckers. Yeah, because like, I'm, yeah, <laughs> I'm letting everybody down. And that's that's kind of... Um, like, y'all know I'm a rapper. <laughs> right. <laughs> you hired a rapper. I show up late, you don't know. But yeah, that was kind of like another thing about like me and my friends. Like I was, I'm the kind of person that where if I feel like you're dedicated to something, I'm going to give you the energy that I felt like you would need to keep going and whatever because that's the kind of person I wanted to have in my corner. Yeah. So, um... Like, when my friends were throwing open mics and stuff like that, and they were, like, paying people from out of town to, you know, come be part of their shows and stuff like that, I wasn't in my head like, oh, well, they need to pay me, too. If you're paying people, I should get paid, too. I was like, oh, no, for real? This is your draw? Okay. Uh, what do you need? You, you want me to go up there and perform some stuff? Like, if the, if the open... And my friend got to a point where if the open mic list was bombing... He would kind of just throw me up there to like warm the crowd back up because he knew the kind of energy I would bring to to the room because he's seen me do it millions of times. So, like, I was so invested in his idea of what the open mic scene should look like. I was there every week, like it was my show. I was promoting it every week, like it was my show because in essence, I felt like it was my man's was putting on this show. I wanted to support. Uh, the same thing with the podcast. Like, the reason I joined the Layback Podcast is because Fig was, you know, he had an idea. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. This is what you need? All right, bet. So, you know, when I was there, it was every week we was having a podcast. I'm right there. Some of the people that the podcast started with didn't have the best attendance. And I was still like, oh, fuck it. We here. Even if it was, it was some episodes where it was just me and him. Fuck it. I wasn't in the intro. I made the beat for the intro just because they needed some intro music. You know what I'm saying? If they was playing other people's music, it's copyright claims. Oh, damn, now I can't put it on YouTube or I can't monetize it because we have music that we don't own playing. So I'm like, oh, fuck it. I know how we get around that. I'm going to just make y'all beat for the intro. You know what I'm saying? Like, I was really just one of those people where it's like, okay, if this is what we need and it's something I can do that's not taken out of my pocket, it's not taken from me to give you this, cool. I do the same thing with things that I know as far as, like, mixing or as far as stuff goes. A lot of people come to me because they trust what I can do with their music. But a lot of times that they ask me a question, I just answer it because my granddad used to always tell me knowledge is one of the only things that you can give away and still have. Mm-hmm. If I give you $5, it's not that I don't have $5 somewhere, but that particular $5 bill, I don't have anymore. Yeah, people If I tell this- you something, I give you a tip about something, I still have that tip in my head. Well, I think people know that. They just have this famine mentality. Like, I can't tell you the best advice because you're going to go use it. And then you're yeah. going to take all my resources. And it's like, no, you know, not. I had a lot of clients that, you know, was rocking with me for whatever. And they got their own setup, and then they don't come by as much anymore. And I'm not mad at them. Like, oh, fuck, you're taking money out of my pocket. And I'm like, oh, you're finding a way to be self-sufficient. Well, that's why exactly I, why, why would I be mad? Yeah. yeah, like, why would I be mad at that? If yeah. you could find a way to be self-sufficient or even if you could find a way to make money off of that. And now you can capitalize off of it. I'm like, oh, damn, I remember he used to ask me for tip. Now he, let's go. I see what you did with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I have the same information. If I didn't do what you did, I can't be mad that you did it. 
Yeah. Well, and it can even go both ways. You can see them doing things, and they'll always, like, I feel like there's a a good karma that happens there, too. Like, just by you helping that person, like, you're going to get help along the way. Yeah, I mean, because it's it's timing. I feel like timing is more important than a lot of the things that people put a lot of, like, pressure on themselves about. But, you know, people will tell you all the time, Oprah didn't get her big break until she was this age. Jay-Z was this age before he started popping. You know what I'm saying? Everything doesn't really happen on the same kind of time schedule for everybody. Comparison is the thief of joy. That's the thing, too, is the, the much as you try to line yourself up with the people you idolize or the people that you feel like are dominating whatever, you got to look at their origin story, too. Like, okay, this you met him when he was popping or when he was on his way to popping but it was a long little stretch of time before that it's not too many people that just woke up and was like you know i'm around today <laughs> you know what i'm saying like it's, it's not a lot of people that find success that way well i was we were kind of talking about this briefly beforehand and i think the in my mind maybe the reason people do it is because it's always now it's hard to conceptualize like the past and the future it's always right now right so we see people how they are right now and that's how we identify them mm-hmm. but I was getting at it beforehand about how whenever we see anything, whenever we see a a, a person that's successful, we see them as what they are right now, and we don't even think about what they were beforehand. Very similar to what you just said. Mm. And, yeah, I just feel like it's a very... It's almost human to do so, because maybe it's the now thing. Maybe it's just like, I see Mark Wahlberg right now. I don't see Mark Wahlberg when he was 18 years old as a struggling actor. I don't see Steve Jobs when he was... 28 still trying to make Apple work or whatever it is. I don't see Bill Gates in his garage at 29, 30 years old. I don't see all these things. None of us did and none of us do. And it's so hard to even conceptualize it because we only know those people because they were so successful. And a lot of times, like those people that are successful, we kind of make them these anomalies in our brain and we kind of just, I don't want to say dehumanize them, but we mystify them. Because think about all of the celebrities that you know and just ask yourself if they have brothers or sisters. Right. We don't fucking know unless they're also famous, right? So, or unless you see a family picture of them when they were a kid or something like that. Like, I remember having a conversation with my girl and we were like, Donald Glover, is Danny Glover his dad? Like, and then we had to look at the family tree and then we, oh shit, he got a sister? Oh damn, he got a brother? Like, we see the other kids in this picture of him and his mom, and we're like, damn, I never even knew he had siblings. Was Danny Glover his dad? Danny Glover's not his dad. He's actually a junior, so his dad is Donald Glover. I was pretty but, sure it wasn't, but I'm glad to hear you confirm Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, and it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, if we could name a bunch of people, I can go, Chameleonaire was one of my favorite rappers at one point in time. I don't know if he had brothers or sisters. In my head, he was just this really great freestyler from Houston, and he was a really dope rapper and blah, blah, blah. Like, we don't know anything from before these people get popping, and that's the thing. That's where that mystique kind of comes into play. And really, at at some point in the back of my head, I felt like being so to myself was developing some kind of mystique. But... When I really look at everything, it's kind of just making it easier to count me out because I'm not on the scene as much. Or it's it's easier to forget about me because I'm not at the parties or I'm not at the shows and I'm not immersing myself into the scene the way that I should be. And it's not because I feel like I don't belong there or I'm still doing the thing where I'm not walking into rooms where people actually want me. It's kind of just like 
I see I see the game and the way it's being played and I just can't really see myself getting down with like pretending to be cool with people just because they're popular like you know that that's the part of it that kind of yeah, I, I mm. the politics of it yeah like I don't that's the part that kind of turns me off of a lot of things but um I'm like just recently I went out a uh, Quad Bay Bro show and then I went to a party with a bunch of people that I knew from high school and it was just like real genuine love everywhere like you know what I'm saying like you know how sometimes you see somebody you don't you know you see somebody you know of and you give them a high five and it's like oh yeah man it's good to see you but I was in situations where people was like, no, dude, you're here. Let me pull you to the side, bro. I missed you. Like, you don't really hear that until you're in front of people. Like, I don't really know they miss me. It's easy for me to sit back and be like, oh, no one's engaging with my post. They don't care about me anymore. Right. It's, right. So, it's so easy for me to do that. I had those thoughts at the house. Oh, damn, I done posted this. I got seven likes. I remember a couple years ago, they was begging me to drop a part two to Malcolm Y. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's easy for me to just try to guess how people feel about me. And then I go out there, and I'm totally fucking wrong. Like, these people love me. It's just they don't see me enough to to act on it or to say it or anything. And I'm not giving them the opportunity to because I'm in the fucking house all day. Well, and And... You're comparing yourself to other people and you're doing that through metrics. Like, oh, I don't get these likes, so that's what means. Yeah. When, like, that is not... That's such a recent way of even thinking about shit. That's yeah. what gets me about... Like, the fact that we that, even not, think that I is don't wild. even have the same likes because if I look at it, how much time does this person spend on Facebook? This person's actually engaging exactly. with other people. Yeah. The algorithm is showing him the people because, oh, you actually talk to people. So here, I'm going to make people talk to you. I don't talk to people. I will call you. I will text you. I'm not a social media, let's be friendly kind of person. Like, I'm, I'm the kind of person that's like, you know, we call and talk for two hours because we haven't spoken so long. We got so much new shit to say. I'm that person. I'm the text. We'll send memes back and forth kind of guy. But you know like, what I've social media, that's not my like strong suit. And it's weird because I'm a fucking rapper. I'm supposed to be in people's <laughs> face all the time. But being in people's face just feels so weird instinctively, like. I, I don't know. Like, okay, so for one, I want to say, like, Seth Stoles, for example. He doesn't have, he has music that he drops, but he doesn't have, like, a ton of social media presence. He's not dropping stuff and posting all over TikTok and Instagram and Facebook. Mm -hmm. He's just posting his art and being very casual about it. But when I do podcasts with that guy, tons of people tune in. Like, just local people follow him, probably because what we're talking about, because they know him in person. Yeah. And they just are like, that guy's my friend. I like that guy. Yeah. And, and that's why they're tuning in. So, I feel like I'm the same way as you. I'm a little bit of a hermit, and I uh, lock myself inside of this room. And uh, So fucking easy, dude. It's do. very easy. It's that's, so easy. I mean... I try not to mention it a million times, but this podcast is heading to Chicago very soon with Ruse. And hey. Yes. Yes. And I feel like that's going to force me out of the shell because there's going to be so much happening outside of that little room that I'm in. I can't just yeah. lock myself in there. That's going to give me more inspiration for the art. And I can only imagine the amount of uh, people that are inspired that are around there. So it's just like it's a whole lot of things that I can tell myself uh, why not to do it. But like, yeah, man, there's a... It's it's a it's a beautiful thing, yeah. Why why did I bring that up? I see I bring it up a million times. I, I forgot why I brought it up. We were talking about how 
like the mystique of being alone or being yes. by yourself is starting yes. to and and it's tough because collaboration's a big thing too. So yeah. I feel like collaboration is so integral to growth. It's ridiculous. Like you can tell yourself all day, I'm gonna be the guy that's gonna do everything himself, but only to some extent can you actually be that person. Like, how do you think money is actually made? <laughs> you know? Nah, I you was, have uh, to eventually start incorporating other moving parts. And I'm yeah. talking to myself as I say this, believe me. Like No, nah, you're talking to me too. Because <laughs> yeah. I was um I was I was I follow like producer like pages on Instagram. I follow producer culture on YouTube. Like it's a lot of stuff. Like I try to as far as my online blueprint goes, I spend a lot of time talking to other producers. Yeah. Not so much time talking to other rappers or other artists, but other producers, I feel like it's a very collaborative kind of energy between producers. Like, I feel like at the grand scheme of things, there's more producers that want to see each other win than rappers that want to see each other win. That's just my personal, you know what I'm saying, my personal bias. It might not be that way at all, but from what I experienced, that's what it seems like. Sounds so I right. spend a lot more time talking to producers and building with producers. And then um, I was listening to a podcast where he was like, you know what, you think you're the man because you rap or you sing and you mix and you do all of these things yourself until you move to L.A., and there's five people just like you, and they're sharing an apartment because there's not enough opportunities for all of these people to get their big break at the same time. And I was just like, damn. Okay, don't move to L.A. Like, <laughs> like I was just in my head. But, you know, when you think about it, a lot of people feel like, oh, if I get good at everything, I don't need anybody else. But it's like, okay, cool. But you have to stand out in some kind of way because there's still people that do all of the things you do and it might be some people that do those things better you know the chances are as many people as there is on the planet there's somebody that's doing all of that shit better than you do how are you going to outwork them how are you going to make sure that when that opportunity slides by you get to grab it before they do yeah like you gotta still find some way to be bigger than life you know what i'm saying yeah. you have to find some way to be undeniable kanye west was very he was very, very adamant on the fact that when people gave him a chance, they wasn't going to regret it. Like, the person who had backed me is going to be a fucking millionaire because I'm a genius. Huh. And he got his break, and then he developed the career that he developed. Some people might not like his antics outside of music, but the music itself is undeniable. Yeah. We are the stories we tell ourselves, for one thing. I truly believe that. So if the story you tell yourself is that you're undeniable. I like that. Yeah. I like that. I love that one, man. I live by yeah. that one. I'm like, because I, I mean, like, the people who do things right, that's what they're doing, man. They're telling themselves that they're doing shit right. That's the only way they're doing it right. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's no way. Man. And it's just like, that's the one thing I, I can observe from people who do things their own way. And the other thing I wanted to say is that being proficient in being yourself is probably one of the best skills you can have. Like, if you can be proficient oh, yeah. in doing things your own way, that's really the skill. Because it's not like Frank Sinatra can cover Carrie Underwood. It just wouldn't sound right. No. But both of them are in their own lanes, and they're very good at what they do yeah. in their own lanes. And you can do that across any different spectrum of talent. You know, people are just good in different ways. And so. I think that's probably um, why it's such a knock when artists hear other people say, oh, you sound like so-and-so. Because it's like, that person's already there. Like, they already have their imprint 
and now you're telling me that there's no space for me because I sound like this person. Like that's not what you're saying. You're saying, oh yeah, this reminds me of something that I like already. Yeah. But they're hearing, oh fuck, you think I'm just trying to be somebody else? Like this isn't really me. Yeah. And it's like, no, I, I just. Uh, this song reminds me of something I like, man. Calm down. <laughs> I always take it as a compliment because I'm just excited that I'm even like, I, okay, like you're comparing me to that. Like you yeah. think I'm on the level of that thing that you like. That's yeah. cool. Like, well, if- I mean, it's 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 a lot of um, it's a lot of things that that swap around too because it's a lot of people who feel like that's a slight, and it's a lot of people who feels like that's one of the highest compliments that you can give them. Yeah, you know, and I think that's kind of like things are going to happen. You're in charge of how you react to them. Yeah. So I get to decide whether that's a compliment or that's a diss. Even with your tone, you can be like, no, you just sound like Drake. Oh, for real? Damn, you think I sound like somebody that has a billion streams on Spotify. That's crazy. I'm going to accept that. No, I'm I'm just just saying. The singing and rapping shit you be doing, (laughs) you sound like you're trying to be Drake. Oh, you think I sound like Drake? That's amazing. Thank you so much. Now they mad. <laughs> yeah. I can't piss him off. Like I like doing that. Killing with kindness is is a very underrated skill, I think. Well, I just uh posted on Facebook the other day, and I think that's a good example of like in my mind, if I'd said that to somebody the same way you did, I was being authentically kind. But I think people like in this day and age uh, interpret that type of kindness as sarcasm. Sarcasm, yeah. But no, like, bro, I'm genuinely telling you, like, no, I'm happy to hear what you have to say. Yeah. I'm flipping what you're doing. I'm just being nice. <laughs> yeah. It's like, people no, don't get I'm, it. I'm choosing to take that as a compliment. And the fact that you're mad at that, <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, okay, cool. I see what your real intentions were. And that's that's cool too. It kind of, yeah, it, it but, flips the know, mirror back at them in a way. Yeah. Because yeah. usually it's just them, they're just upset. That's all that's happening there. The only thing we can control in life is ourselves. That's, yeah. that's, I mean, that's really what it all boils down to. Like, if you're in that situation, like you said, like, are you going to react in a rude way or are you going to be kind and just, I, I don't know. I think it's a, it, it, how you treat people that you dislike and how you act in those situations is probably more of a show of character than yeah, the situation you're comfortable Yeah, absolutely a show of character because, like, yeah. You treat your friends how you treat your friends. You know, of course, you can smile and laugh with them because you feel comfortable around them. You you have a relationship with these people. You love these people, or you should if they're your actual friends. But, you know, it's easier to let your guard down around them and give them the benefit of the doubt and give them the good energy because they've shown you in some kind of way that they deserve it. Yeah. Or that they can handle it. So... On the flip side of things, when it's strangers or people that you don't necessarily have the best rapport with or even somebody you have friction with in the past, if you can extend them the same courtesies like, okay, I'm not going to let you get so close to where I feel like you could hurt me, but I'm also not about to go out of my way to try to make your experience any harder than it has to be. And I think that's kind of the character. And I feel like that saves you a lot of energy too because you don't have to walk around with the chip on your shoulder and thinking about people that probably aren't thinking about you in that moment. You know what I'm saying? If you're harboring hate for somebody, you're spending time thinking about somebody that could or could not be thinking about you too. Yeah, they're very But low. you got to think about, you know, how, how, what that's taken away from. If I spend more time thinking about this person, I'm spending less time thinking about my family. I'm spending less time thinking about my music. I'm spending less time thinking about my finances. I'm spending less, even if it's just a second, even if it's 10 seconds of my day. I'm still spending it somewhere that isn't benefiting me at all. And that's the idea of your tape. Yeah. Right there. 
Yeah, I feel like you can't. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it just clicked in my brain as you were saying it, because it really is true. I mean, that's uh, the other thing that I wanted to say. I wanted to mention Chicago when you mentioned that, because to me, that's what I'm doing. I'm I'm forcing it. I'm doing it. I'm I'm making it so it's one of those things where I, I, um, I am not worried about what someone else's version of me is. I don't have all these people around me who I'm comfortable with and they all know me for what I am. And for some reason that allows me to operate in this certain way. Like by being in a new place, you're forced into this situation where all of a sudden you're not whoever you thought you were because none of these people even know who the fuck you are. So I think a lot of times you figuring it out. Exactly. And, and, and I think that would be a great thing for me as an artist. And I think like, I think a lot of people could use a lot of things like that. I think we all get comfortable wherever we're at and we got to break out of that shell because we identify with the way other people identify us and that just locks us into some type of position. And, mm-hmm. you know, every now and then, every now and then it's good to get away. So I, I'm, I see, mark my words here. I could regret all this. I might be saying in <laughs> two months, no, take me back, Flint, please. Yeah. I mean, but I think even if, that was something that you know that you were experiencing. I feel like you would feel richer for knowing you stepped out there and like that. You know what? I tried. I gave it my all. I really tried to do something. I felt like this is what I wanted to do, and then I have that experience under my belt. Nobody can take that away from me. I agree. It didn't I- turn out the way I wanted it to, but shit, I did it. Like you know, what I'm saying this is a story I can tell. Later down the line, hey, this is that. And then, you know, it might be a pitfall that you can tell in that story that's the light bulb for somebody else. Like, oh, fuck, that's what happened out there? Man, so when I move, I can try to avoid this. And, you know, now they can navigate life a little bit better because you shared that wisdom. But in the same breath, I think that complacency is a luxury. Mm -hmm. Like, if if you have, if you're not where you want to be in life you can't really afford to be too comfortable or too complacent because it's like when are you going to want more or when are you going to do more if you're comfortable what's going to change nobody wants to change something that's working for them so if you feel like you know what this situation is working for me i'm getting enough money to pay my bills um i'm gonna be fucked if my car breaks down but as long as my car doesn't break down, I'm good. Because I don't have the savings, but who needs the savings until something fucks up? Like, people will really be moving throughout everyday life like it's okay. And there's still so much more to be explored. There's so much more that they could tap into or that, you know, people who are complacent, you have to have, you got to be well off enough to be like, you know what, I'm going to take my hands off the wheel Wherever this car goes, it goes. You know what I'm saying? Everybody else kind of has to focus really on where they're going, where they're spending their energy, how they're spending their time. But if you're not at that level, I don't feel like you get to just be complacent. You shouldn't be just chilling. Like, there's shit that's out there for you to get. Like, depending on if you've accomplished what it is in your mind that you think would be achieving, I suppose, your life's goal. Because, I mean, like, yeah, I I think... Ultimately, that's it, right? That's that's the reason to get out there and do things. It's like if you feel like you haven't done whatever your life is, yeah, because that's like torture. It's torture for everyone. Yeah. Like I can't imagine being I'm f- f- when I turn fifty, when I turn sixty, if I haven't done the things that I'm saying I want to do. Like like the like Chicago thing, like, like what got us into this. Yeah. Yes. 
Because, I mean, if I even waited till I was 45, I would be like, God damn it. I really said I wanted to do it 20 years ago. I could have done it then. Yeah, and you just you don't want to have that story. That doesn't. That's not a good story. That's never a good story. And uh. People get tired of hearing that one really quick too. <laughs> right. And people get tired no of hearing cares. that really quick. Like, no, I was the man in high school, and then my bum ankle <laughs> took me out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I've heard that. Story. Like, I don't. I don't want to hear how you had 35 in the championship game, and you know what I'm saying? Like, but I feel like a lot of people, like, I don't want to. I don't want to say they're scared. But I think a lot of people don't act on their dreams when they have the time or when the opportunity was perfect for them. And then by the time that they start regretting things, they have so many different responsibilities that they can't act the way that they would have in the past. Like somebody who doesn't have kids could afford to, you know what, I'm I'm about to save all the money I can. I'm going to eat ramen noodles for a month. I'm going to do this because I can make that sacrifice because it's just me. When you have kids and you have a mortgage and shit like that to deal with, those choices kind of get made for you. I'm not about to give my kids ramen noodles for a month straight. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. I, Once I have certain responsibilities, it kind of limits the space I have to dream with because I waited until life handed me this other stuff instead of just doing this when I was still free, when I didn't have as many ties or strings and responsibilities. Not saying that once you have responsibilities, life is over because it kind of sounds like I'm getting there and I'm not. There's people with kids that do phenomenal work and, you know, that, you know, escalate to heights that only some people can imagine. But at the same time, for There's the a lot of average person, I didn't even realize had kids. Yeah, like, how the fuck do you take Nick Cannon got seventy five kids? <laughs> right? He's the classic like, example. <laughs> like, how the fuck do you have time to do anything? You're on TV every time I turn it on. Like, where are you spending time with these kids? But yeah, it's just like you know, a lot of people keep their their family life to the side for those reasons because I need you to see me as the entity that's making me money so I can continue to take care of this family. But people with kids that do amazing things, but a lot of times the average person who's struggling to get by on their own or maybe they have just enough money to get by or they're living comfortably, but there's not in the best situation. They, you know, they just want more. They want better. A lot of times they can't go out there and r- take the risks that other people can afford to take because they have so much on that plate. Going back to that team conversation, if I fell on my own, all right, cool, it's just me. But if I fell and I got a family at home that was depending on this to go through, I'm fucking depressed. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that's that's going to hit a lot harder than just failing on your own and being able to say, oh, you know what, I tried, I gave it my best. When yeah. you got so many other people's hopes and dreams riding on you, it just hit a lot different. Yeah, it's kind of the catch, right? Yeah, there's nothing much you can do. I've heard it described well as like people place roots. That's what a lot of it is. It's just roots because it goes beyond family. There's many ways you can place roots and just yeah, not you rise go up the ladder things. at a certain job, yeah. and uh, I can't leave here. I've been here seven years. I'm the general manager now, like. And what do you do? Like, there's really no good answer. That's the problem with those situations is, like, if you have three kids and you wanted to be a musician 14 years ago and you're still at it, like, what is the proper answer for that situation? Right. If you want to be a full-time musician, what do you do? Who knows? <laughs> yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, you know, and I think 
it's a lot of situations where people online will tell you, oh, all you have to do is da, 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 yeah. da, da, da. And it's 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 weird to me when people feel like they have a one size fits all answer for anything, really. Because it's so many different nuances and everything is I feel like almost everything is unique. So that's kinda what stops me from being frustrated a lot of times because sometimes you'd be like, Oh, this isn't adding up. And then you can look at the situation like, well, the situation was unique. Last time it added up because these things were in place over here, but these things aren't in place over here. So you got a different result. And it's easier to just compute it that way than, oh, no, they fucked it up because it was me. Or to personalize things. My granddad used to always say, sometimes shit happens. It doesn't always happen to you. And I, right. I sat with that for a very long time because he used that every time he could. Kind of like the extended. He extend, abused that fucking saying. The good one is the extended version of shit happens. Yeah, it's like everything, you know what I'm saying? Sometimes things happen. It doesn't necessarily happen to you. It's not a reflection of who you are. The reflection happens when you react, when you decide how you're going to interpret that situation and then put your energy out. That's what determines who you are. But the things that just happen around you or circumstances or whatever, like that doesn't, you aren't your circumstances. You are your decisions. You are your reactions, but you aren't your circumstances. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. That's the answer. Deep. That's it. That's (laughs) what you do. This is episode 74, the deep dive. Oh, dude, I do this to everybody. (laughs) It's kind of incredible how Ruse Radio works. Like we, I, I feel like this might as well be like a philosophy podcast because <laughs> I don't know how I pull it off. I want to get long neck in here and get him to talk about the nature of Man. the universe. <laughs> That's one of my goals. That shit would be crazy. Hey, before I get is out, is he of still around? He, oh, he, I think so. I mean, I'm following him on Instagram, and he still has ladies licking his neck on the regular. So, but he did have a kid like last That's year. Such a weird thing to be famous <laughs> for. <laughs> like, yeah, come lick my neck. He's went hard in that direction. That's what I love. I mean, I got to respect that about it. Like, if there's anything that's so great about something like that, it's the fact that somebody's committing so hard to one bit, right? Yeah. Like, Like as a rapper, I don't know if I could do it. I don't even know if I could stick to one song that I made. (laughs) You know what? There's a rapper that's literally blowing up because of how hard he stuck to one song. It's a guy named Dear Silas. Yeah. He has a song called I'm Not Stressing Today. And he used to go on his page like literally every day and be in a different part of his room or in his house. And he would do the same dance to that part of the song. I ain't stressing today. I ain't stressing today. So then it got popular. And then Lupita Nyong'o did it. And then she was a backstage at one of those shows, and then they put the music in the background while she was doing the dance. Because she saw him do it so many fucking times. It was like one of those things. It was, it was just like a... Subliminal <clears throat> messaging. Yeah, it got stuck in her head, and she loved it, but it got stuck in her head in a good way because it's a mantra. I'm not stressing today. Whatever is going on. And he said that in the song, you know what I'm saying? Did he make a dance, too? Like, was it a special dance? Yeah, it was kind of, like, unique to him. So whenever he sees somebody doing a dance, it's like, oh, no, you saw me do that. Or the person you saw it from saw me do it. Like, I know I'm the the catalyst for all of this. So now he's getting shows, and he's, you know what I'm saying, selling out venues that he couldn't even get to call him back a couple years ago. But it's because he's literally been promoting the same song for the last two years. (laughs) Yeah. 
every day on his Instagram. And it's amazing. Like, I came in probably a year and some change into the journey. So when I see it, when I started following him, I'm like, oh, this is cool. Oh, damn, Lupita did it? Oh, damn, this person's doing it? And it's like people on red carpets doing it. People are, you know what I'm saying, big, big celebrities are doing it. And it's just like, damn, he got that off of having the patience to say, you know what, this song is the one. It's just not enough people have heard it yet. Yeah. But I bet as soon as they do, this is the one. The story he's telling himself. That's the story he's telling himself. Because yeah. if you tell yourself that story long enough and then you fulfill that story, like how does that story make sense? Like if you were at a point in that story and it was a movie that you were watching mm -hmm. and you knew the ending of the story, how do you get to that ending? How do I, that's how I write my songs. A lot of times I reverse engineer the shit. I think about how I want it to feel, what I want the hook to sound like, how I want it to come across. And then I just, like, in my head, I write bullet points. And then I just make sure I hit those notes throughout my writing process. That's impressive to me. A lot of times. I never write that way. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of times I end up veering somewhere. And then where I veer turns into a bigger, brighter, brighter idea. But more often than not, I sit down. I think about what I want it to feel like. Um, songs that were similar that I could kind of emulate the mood from. You know, what made that song feel like that and how can I bring that to my song? Okay, these drums might not be exactly the same, but they're kind of the same darkness or the same brightness or whatever. So the pattern might be different, but the energy is the same. So you're thinking a lot about the influence when you go into that. Like, what is this going to sound like similar to things that I might like already? You're, that's a lot of what's that's, going into it. That's part of it. It's also how do I want this to come across? Like, I look at it as an artist. I look at it as the producer. And I look at it as the consumer, like, damn near simultaneously. Mm, so that's it's, tough. That's a hard thing to think man, about at once. Bro, I, I didn't talk myself out of a lot of stuff. Like, um, like I enjoy R&B a lot, but in my head... It's not that I don't like my voice, but it's just that I told myself that my brand doesn't do R&B because I'm tackling all of these super tough topics in my music. I can't come around and be a singer on the next song after I just talked about police brutality for 98 bars. Like, it's, it's just... Who says? Nobody. I did. I was the story I told myself. I told myself I couldn't do that, so then I didn't. But as I've been writing like R&B for other artists and working with other artists, and then sometimes they'll hear the reference in my voice and be like, "Oh, you should keep this. Like this is decent. Like this is good." And like I've been kind of opening myself back up to you know what I'm saying doing more R&B or R&B feeling records or at least just singing my hooks and stuff like that. But it started because I always felt like my brand doesn't do this or I can't do this because of that. And I kind of put myself in a box. I feel like people, I allowed what I thought people were thinking to create a box for me. Mm. So sometimes people will put you in a box. Sometimes we just accept the box we think we're in. Okay. So. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then and, and that goes with that independent thing that thing about like trying to focus on yourself and not letting other people do it because if you don't you want to be in your own box you do not want to be yeah. in somebody else's box right because if i'm going to be in a box i at least need to be able to pick my like furniture yeah <laughs> give me some options <laughs> right like no nah, i want the coffee table over there like so yeah if some if somebody if i'm going to be you know categorized or whatever let me pick the category yeah, you know yes, yes, 100%. But in a way, you are whatever they say you are. And so yeah. where's the middle ground there, right? Like, 
I suppose it's gonna be different gotta, for everybody. Yeah, we gotta know. pick our the right boxes. That's what we gotta do. Yeah, check the right boxes. You know, it ain't as it's easier said than done. Wait, I think a big. I was about to say ninety, but ninety might not be the number. But it's a big number of things. It's a very high percentage of things that are easier to say than do. Oh yeah, mostly because your lips don't have that many muscles. <laughs> like it's not that many muscles going on here. You're thinking too far <laughs> into this, man. I don't think that. <laughs> It's way you? easier to say a lot of shit. <laughs> yeah. I actually think I you're just 100% I gynecologist. I cannot go be a gynecologist <laughs> <Yeah>. right now. <laughs> There's a whole lot of things. You're right. Yeah. Supercalifragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> that's probably is easier. That? <laughs> I how can I do that? Like, that's how not do even you do a, it? I don't even know how to measure whether I did that or not. Is it about how fast I can say it? How accurate I can say it? I don't know. I have to listen to the song again. I'm going to study. I, I think I, it's I an adjective. I've seen the movie. I think it's an adjective. Is it? Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, it is. So, but I guess, but still, how would I do anything in such a way? How do I do something in a supercalifragilisticexpialidocious way? You see, I, don't, I think that's up to interpretation. Like somebody might see that and be like, "Oh, that was okay." Somebody might be like, "Ooh, that was supercalifragilisticexpialidocious." Like it depends. <laughs> like how does it hit? Yeah, that's true. It, we should bring that back into so conversation. So many things are subjective, man. Yeah, I like that word just being used. It's a, it, people know what it means. It's one of those words, that even though it's subjective. I think mo at least Americans. I feel like it's British though, too, right? Yeah, Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins. Though. They yeah. would know that in the UK. They know, they know that in a lot of places. If I said that, I feel like that's a universal one. You know what? I love when people say that in freestyle raps because, like, I have to think <laughs> on the spot. Like, how can I? I always think like, what I do? I grab the mic and it's. Gorgeous. Yo, I spit this shit super califragilisticexpialidocious. <laughs> like, I try to do multiples as fast as I can. Yeah. Because <laughs> that always blows somebody's mind because they don't even expect you to say the word. There's other crazy right. words out there people try to give you for freestyles I've seen on the internet. Like, it's world's longest words and whatnot. That's the longest word I think anybody really knows, right? Is there any Probably. other big word? Like, across out there? the board, I feel like that's the one. Super califragilisticexpialidocious. Yeah, because yeah, there's nothing else. That, that's the one. There's the wool. Ah. Uh, oh, 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 there is one people throw out a lot. Uh, something, oh, I'm not going to remember it, but it's some type of dystopian and nationalism. Like, it's some weird word like that, and it's really long. I'm not going to remember it on the spot, but there is one that people casually I throw know out. what you're saying, because uh, Disestablishmentarianism. That's it, disestablishmentarianism, because that's a big-ass word, and people. It, it really is a big word. It just doesn't... I'm making it sound not as big as it really is. No, because uh. when you see it spelled out, it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, it's like fucking 25 I hate to letters. get this in the spelling bee. Like, <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so that's one, that's like an actual, like, I have a definition as word. Exactly. But the supercalifragilistic is more of an idea. We just know. Yeah. <laughs> it's and then, a concept. It's a piece and, of art. <laughs> and then that even transcended the movie it came out of because then you get that outcast song, the Spotty Adi Dopalicious. That doesn't happen. Without supercalifragilist, you know what I'm saying? Butterfly effect, man. It's yeah. wild. There's so Fucking much art thing. that you don't even realize couldn't happen unless it's for... I mean, like, even just Kendrick can't happen without Lil Wayne. That that alone kind of blows my mind. Like, you don't get yep. Kendrick without Lil Wayne. You don't get um, Eminem Drake doesn't without happen. Andre 3000. Drake doesn't happen without Ja Rule. Yeah. There's so many. There's so many, like, wild mm. connections that just... Chameleon doesn't happen without chameleons. Really? I didn't know. <laughs> I mean, you're right. I never thought like, about it. How does he it. flip his name? Like, <laughs> He'd have to at least see one once. Yeah. Like, <laughs> or at least heard of it. Like, if that wasn't a species, if that species was named anything else, his name isn't Chameleon Air. 
Oh, we're so lucky to be in the universe that we're in. Because we wouldn't crazy. get Chameleon Air if, like, the universe Who's decided... riding dirty? Like, Lil Gecko doesn't sound as tough as Chameleon Air. Like, right. It doesn't hit like, like There's like no that. other reptile that you could flip like that. <laughs> yeah. He would have had to have been, like, Allegrator or something like that. <laughs> Allegrator's not Stock-a-dial. bad. <laughs> you know what? There's there's a rapper the out there that's hearing these. crypto trader called Stockadile. That's what I'm saying. There's some guy out there looking for a username who just heard you say that. And he's like, yes! Hey. Cut me in whenever whenever you get that big break. Remember where you heard it, man. That's all I'm asking. Just give That's me a little five percent, right little five percent. We stockadile coin. I, I don't know. You might get like the whole creator fund for that, right? If you like, hey, stockadile. If it pop off, yeah. When you dropping this? <laughs> <laughs> you got about like a month to to make this a real thing. Man. All right, cool, cool. Stockadile cool. could yeah. really work because that's like one. Of, it's like Dogecoin. It's just like yeah. it's an animal. So they're like, oh, that's cute. Crocodile, stock it out. I'll invest. This is fun. Yeah. And just, you know, you're the creator. We're, we're doing this on the podcast, but this is a comedy podcast. That's what I always say. So if anything goes wrong, we're just joking right now. Okay? <laughs> right. But what I'm saying is pull your money out at the correct time. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then everything's good, man. And we good. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to tell yeah. you. I'm just trying to give you some advice, mano a mano. Yeah. We're going to figure that out. I'm telling you, I'm, if you don't take out. this idea, I might do it because <laughs> it is my platform. I'm just saying. <laughs> you signed the paper when you got in here. I'm yeah, 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 man. I mean, I didn't mean to. I don't mean to step on your toes, but it's a great one. It's hey, a man. great one. You come up with this stuff all the time, man. You'll be surprised how many times I've just sat with people and bounced ideas, and then they've like went and it was like, no, this is a really good one and wrote it down and like turned it into something. But I'm always kind of like a sounding board for people. I'm always happy to be one of those kind of people because like a Rick if Rubin. you make something happen with that idea, cool. Yeah. You know well, what I'm saying? Like, I don't feel like I had the, the, the passion behind it that you had. And then if you like, if somebody takes something I'm actively doing and they just steal it before I can make it happen, I'm I'm gonna be a little pissed. But if we're sitting around bouncing ideas and I give you an idea that can genuinely help you in the field that you're trying to advance in, I'm not mad that you took that and did something with it because that's the reason you trusted me to have that conversation. We wanted to come up with an idea that was gonna take your brand or your business or whatever to the next level, and we had that idea and you did what you did with it. And I feel like that was my purpose in that conversation. And that's kind of the beauty of the creative process when it comes to that collaboration, right? It's like we can't have those ideas by ourselves. And it's the fact that you were able to supply that that allowed them to blossom in that way. Yeah. I love being that guy. And I don't know about you, but like to me, that fulfills my whole thing. When I yeah. see other people doing things better because they saw what I was doing or I told them how to do it better. Like, either one. Like, yeah. if I just know, like, oh, they follow me, they probably saw that. Like, I just see them doing the thing. I, I don't get jealous or upset that they're doing what I'm doing. I'm like, yes, they saw yeah. the thing. Like, I've noticed there's a couple rappers that'll do at least, like, something similar to what I do where they're lip syncing with the lyrics on the screen now. We should have all been doing that 10 years ago. Yeah. It's just that now, more than ever, you really need to catch people's attention. And I'm way happier than anything just to see rappers catching on in the area because we all should be doing that we should all be promoting our songs with easy to understand standalone content that people can just stumble upon and be like this is dope yeah but it's it's hard to get to that point when fucking social media is this weird like 30 block (laughs) rubik's cube that none of us know how to work (laughs) and then like when when things like tiktok get introduced that kind of 
like make it easier for people to do that it kind of makes the idea feel like oh everybody's doing it so like where you're like oh yes everybody's doing it we finally found a way to break into right. marketing it's some people that's like oh everybody's doing it i don't want to do that because then i'm gonna be like the other thirty-five thousand rappers that are doing a little bit i'm gonna do it differently i'm gonna but that's make it. people listen to my do it your way like if yeah. you're gonna take like you can settle and find a way to do that thing but do it your way like do it with yeah. your own artistic like you can't take twist. back the fact that you saw it yeah like you don't get to just unsee shit or there's a lot of shit that i've seen on the internet that i would just delete right out of my fucking brain but like you can always like you said take it turn it into something that's yours and that feels like you and looks like you like and when that's I was what on I think TikTok, people just I miss was, out on that when they get in that mindset of like that ain't me. Like yeah. you're saying. You when you were on TikTok, what'd you see? When I was on TikTok, I was um I was trying to do like rap videos or whatever to popular beats, right? I was gonna take beats that we knew from our childhood. I took Aaliyah's Try Again, rapped over that. I took uh just a couple other beats that were like really popular. And as soon as I put them on TikTok, the sound disappears. Oh, you're using copyrighted material. Huh. Okay, cool. I'm going to start doing skits. And then when I started doing the skits and incorporating them into my videos, I was like, you know what? I don't want this volume just to get minimized. I am going to make my own beat. So then I started rapping over my own beats. And then the skits got more drawn out and they got funnier. Like I got one where I was... uh. I guess the guy comes to the studio and he's like really sleepy and the engineer's like, yeah, I'm getting ready to record. And the dude's like talking in his sleep. So the engineer just brings the mic over to where he's sleep and then we play the beat and he starts rapping in his sleep. And it's like sleep bars that are in the song and stuff like that. I got another <laughs> one where a guy was dissing this girl because she didn't call him back all day. And then at the end of the skit, she calls him and then he's like, oh, yeah, I'm not mad at her no more. We could just delete that. I'm going to record something else. Like... You know, I have these different skits, and I was like, you know what? This feels fun. Like, this doesn't feel like I'm another person just rapping a 16 in my car over a beat that I'm never going to buy or anything like that. Like, these are uniquely me. The idea was me. The camera work was me. The beats are me. Like, this is me kind of expressing myself in all of my different ways and kind of just getting to be funny and getting to be more than just the rapper. Yeah, it's so cool that's that you why, got there through limitations, too. Like, it's the fact yeah, you couldn't do certain things. That's the reason I started doing a lot of the shit that I do now. Like, my cousins were rapping way before me. So I was on their heels. Yo, bring me to the studio. Would you bring me to the studio? Never happened. As many times as I sat down and wrote those verses where I was rewriting other people's verses or I was coming up with verses of my own, as many times as I thought I had a really cool punchline, Never took me to the studio. And you were so ready. I was so happy to just like, like I would hear the songs that they came back with and it was like, ooh, no, nah, this beat is crazy. You should have said this. Like, <laughs> you're like I'm there. Yeah, side. like I'm, I'm in my head. Like, oh, this is like I'm pretty much producing like what people would call producing now. I was doing back then, but as a kid, they looked at me like, nah, you just hating. Like, you don't know what you're talking about going somewhere. And now, fast forward, I'm the only one out of that whole group of people that's still like actively doing music and chasing it and shit, but. It got me to a point where I was like, dang, man, I can't get in the studio to save my life. And a friend of mine was on the phone with his cousin, and he put his cousin on the phone with me. He was like, all right, so what's your problem? I'm like, man, I got all these bars. I got the beats I want to rap to and everything. I just can't get in the studio. Okay, so what's stopping you from recording yourself? Ding! 
Fuck. You just never had that thought I process I can record before. myself. Yeah. yeah. So I'm like, I'm like 17, 18 when he says this to me. So I'm like, damn, I can record myself. A friend of mine got a USB mic. We started recording ourselves on Audacity. I bought my own mic. Or uh, I actually had a, a church scholarship that paid for my computer and a little bit of leftover like cash money. I was staying with a friend of mine because I moved out as soon as I turned 18 like a dumbass. But I bought a couch. I got that computer. And I saved the leftover money and I bought me a microphone. And I started recording and Audacity at my house. And then from Audacity, I got to a cracked version of some other dog that I was using. And then from there, I found out J. Cole was using Logic. So then I started using Logic. And I've been on Logic ever since. But my mixes went from being on a dog that I can't even really manipulate the vocals on to being one that I can manipulate the vocals a little bit and didn't have all the tools. And this was the stolen version to me actually investing to, you know, what I want my sound to be better. Let me figure out how I can do this. And then getting so good that other people would come to me to get their sound right. And then that turned into me being able to open my own studio. And you know what I'm saying? Like all of this shit happened because I saw an obstacle and I was like, no, excuse me. Let me just get past you real quick. I'm, I'm trying to go over here and you, you blocking my way. Yeah. Like, that's pretty much all I've done my whole career is like I run into a wall and I figure out how to get over it. The only thing that I haven't like fully said, yeah, fuck this. Let me walk around it is the marketing and the social media shit. Like, those yeah. are my weak points because I feel like I'm a personable, like, I'm easy to talk to when you have me in your space and I can talk to you. But when I'm talking to everybody at once, I don't know what the fuck I'm supposed to say. That's why I love doing this. You know what I'm saying? Like, because it allows me to do exactly that. I can do both at once. I'm talking to you, and I'm kind of also talking to them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So it works. No, you got to figure it out. You got to figure it out. But it's just like, I was trying to figure out a way that felt like me to do all of that. Yeah. You know, I'm trying to, um, the last thing I want to do as an artist is look corny. Yeah, right. You don't want to look corny. You don't want to feel corny. And you don't want to do the thing that everybody else is doing. <clears throat> yeah, you don't want to be a cookie cutter. It's so many things that you just don't want to do. And then, like, being yourself is somewhere in the middle of all that. Like, if it's a big Venn diagram of shit that I don't want to be. Right. Myself is in the middle of all of these processes, so it's like, yeah, I want to be, you know, I want to be funny on social media, but I don't want to be corny. I want to be engaging, but I don't want to be annoying. I want to be, you know what I'm saying, a household name. I want you to recognize when you see my name on your screen, but I also don't want to be the person that tags 75 people in one post because I feel like that's the best way to make sure all of y'all see my posts. So it's like, damn, either I get the low reactions because I didn't tag anybody or I tag everybody. And then a lot of people who didn't care to be tagged start, you know what I'm saying, unfollowing for whatever reason. I think the answer lies in what you said before, though, probably. It probably really is just like getting your face in front of people in real life. Because if yeah. those people, if they knew you just once, if they're like, oh, this guy tagged me, he's that guy that I met one time. Oh, this is pretty dope. Like, But if they didn't have that one interaction with you, it's just a random stranger that just tagged yeah. you or something. So I feel like there's a lot of that, too. Because, dude, I'll say this. I remember. I'm never going to forget this guy now. On my birthday, the first notification I saw at 6 a.m. in the morning was a guy that said, happy birthday, and then posted, go stream. Like, it literally, there was this... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> like there was just a couple spaces. Hey, happy birthday. Go listen to my shit. <laughs> Take this song for your birthday. Shameless promo. And I will never forget who that guy was. I'm always going to see him as the guy who fucking promoted his music on his happy birthday. And it was the first one I saw at 6 in the goddamn morning. I saw that. I was like, I'm, I deleted it. I deleted the post. Like, this does not even belong on my wall. Get out of here. And then that's I went why right you gotta to wait. That's why you got to wait an hour before you set your phone. So you woke up immediately, <laughs> went to your phone. You was pissed for the rest of your birthday. Like, this motherfucker thinks this is the time to promote your shit. This is my day, goddammit. Fuck me up, man. <laughs> see? You can't do all that. If you would have waited an hour, you would have looked. <laughs> You're right. Look at him trying to plug himself. <laughs> anyway, back to the people I know and love. Right. <laughs> I did it. And then like I like went back to bed like, fuck, God damn, I got to <laughs> stop thinking about this bullshit. Right. <laughs> like, I had to force myself to just ignore it. <laughs> That's when you got to be really aggressive in a way that doesn't hurt anything. Like You got to throw something, but it's something really soft, like a sock. Oh. So you can just chuck it as hard as you want to and nobody gets hurt. Oh, that's probably, yeah, it's like a miniature form of those, like, paintings where they're thrown at the wall. It's just something yeah. nice and light that you can, Would you wow. ever do uh, smash therapy? What's that? Or you go in a room and just break shit? Yes. Dude. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I would do that so, like, today, right now. <laughs> yeah. Are they open? Like, yeah. I will go right. Are you inviting me? I will me? go right the fuck now. <laughs> I didn't even realize that was something I could pay and go do. Yeah, yeah. smash therapies, it's, it's a thing. So they have, like, old computers and old TVs and just, like, shit, and they hand you a baseball bat, and you just have at it for however long you book it. Um, or I think they call them rage rooms. Okay. Rage rooms. Rage room sounds really familiar. I think smash therapy is, like, the name, like, of the, the thing, but the, the places you can go are called rage rooms. Like, if you were trying to type it in and find one. Dude. Rage room. That sounds nice. Yeah. Like, you give me a baseball bat and just a TV. Is it? What, just, what kind of stuff are we talking? Shit. Vases, uh, um, old electronics, just shit that will shatter when you hit it. Yeah. And give you that gratification of, like, you know what I'm saying? Because, <laughs> like, I, I know for a fact I'm one of those, like, physical people. Like, that is a release for sure. That's why I like performing because... I get this type of energy. I don't get nowhere else. Like, I'm moving around. I'm yeah. into it. Like, if I like running with my dog because I like doing that thing. I like working out because I like doing that thing. If you yeah. gave me a thing to smash. Oh, I'm doing it. I'm doing that <laughs> so hard right now. <laughs> like, I will smash that thing to bits. I want to. Yeah. Oh, dude. Oh, you just got me all excited just yeah. thinking about this. Do that this. shit, man. Do that shit. <laughs> I wonder how much it costs. Like is it like a hundred dollars for maybe thirty minutes? Like just it just probably cost. I don't, per even, thing I don't even know if it's that expensive. Yeah, I don't even know if it's that expensive for real. But um, it's gotta be around here somewhere. But in Chicago, I know I'll find it. Oh hell yeah, it's gonna be Chicago everywhere. Chicago is a big city. Yeah, yeah. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's probably a million of them in Chicago. I but, wonder what kind of people would even work at that type of place. That'd be interesting. Would it be crazy if there was like some really cool like Zen people? Right, they just like, they yeah, smash all day, the so they love. Yeah. yeah, they just love life. We got you booked in room two B. Come on down, man. Dude, I can work. <laughs> if you worked there, you probably could smash for free. Probably. Uh, that's probably they'd be so chill. Probably. I would like. That. I wonder if it's a sex addict listening to this. Like, yeah, I do smash therapy all the time. I smash every <laughs> chicken. <moment." laughs> like, yeah. somebody heard smash therapy was like, I've been doing that my whole life. Like, no, I'm talking yeah. about rage rooms. You horny bastard. When I hear smash referred to that way, I just immediately jump to Jersey Shore and fist bumping, dude. <laughs> <laughs> that is smashing to me. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. That's some snooky. That says. was a weird. 
show. Like they didn't even do anything. They just lived there. That's kind of one of the best them. reality shows there is. That's all you really have to do, man. They just live somewhere it's and the be characters. popular. The characters are what make the show. Yeah, for they're, sure. They're so much so that they still do Jersey Shore, and they're like what. 45 now? They, like, they're, they're up there. They're full-on adults. Yeah. <laughs> you should not still be behaving this way. But, yeah. like it's the but I get show. it. You get paid to. So. Exactly. So it's one of those things. I remember, I will never forget. Uh, I, I, so maybe you'll remember this because I brought this up to somebody and they didn't remember. And I feel like if you were really watching the show when it came out, you'd remember this. When they did the episode ending where Snooki was about to get punched and then you had to wait till next week to see what happened. Like, you saw a dude who's about oh. to punch Snooki. It cuts yeah. out. The cliffhanger. Yeah. Like, that's unforgettable. To me, that's, that staple Jersey Shore's influence on culture right there. They, they No other show would show a girl about to get punched and use that as their plot. Yeah. <laughs> Tune in next Shore week move. to see how hard she gets hit. <laughs> yeah, because everybody was looking online like, uncensored Snooki punch. Oh, shit. <laughs> I know. I googled that. Okay, it was on YouTube in the early days trying to find that shit. I found it. I found it. Probably still there. Probably with eight billion views. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so yeah. to me, that's real TV. That's what I found when I was growing up. I mean, I guess reality show kind of said it, or not reality show. Reality, um, the real world. That's what I mean to say. Yeah. The real world, and real then there was uh, Road Rules. Yeah, they had that road rules, and then there was some addiction show that they did back then. I swear they had some type of addiction thing. Maybe it was my strange addiction, but I feel yeah, maybe that was MTV. I swear. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, but it, back then, man, that's where uh, Theo Vaughn comes from. Shout out Theo Vaughn. He was on Road Rules a long time ago. I would do so well on one of those shows. Let me just say, <laughs> I would just do exactly what I do now, but just exaggerate a little bit. I would know nah, exactly what. And to you do. got an MTV hat on, which is crazy. <laughs> which is crazy. We didn't plan none of this shit it's on brand. But all of that shit used to happen on MTV, like back when they decided, yeah, you know what. Videos aren't really doing it. Let's just put the, <laughs> let's just put cameras on real people and see how they act together. It worked out so well. I, I I wonder how much guidance because nowadays it's too much. You can just feel remember how remember the, shit the is. dating shows that used to be like that. Like yeah. next, where you get off a bus and somebody just is, next. I love those shows. <laughs> that shit that was, used to have me crying. Yeah, man. me and my cousin used to watch them shits until they was reruns and we could like say exactly what was happening. Like we learned the lines from them. Like they was our favorite movies. You know like, all the characters. We knew this. Shit. Oh no, 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 no! Because he got out the watch. He about to get the next instant. Watch, watch next. Laugh. <laughs> we will fucking laugh so hard at that, and it was just like. For the- those that don't know, the show was a dating show where somebody was in a van, and they were uh, there was five dudes in a van, and there's a girl waiting outside, and each mm-hmm. guy comes out, and she says next as soon as she doesn't like. Yeah, one she of the decides guys. if she wants to date them or not. Yeah. So at any point during their like interactions she could say next and then the next person will come off the bus so the thing is you got to decide whether one of the people that you settle with is you know what i'm saying the person that you actually want to go on a date with of course they have to consent but it's like you get to decide whether you want to date this person or whether you want to say next and see who else was on the bus because the most attractive person could have been the second person so now you keep saying next and you get to the last person and they all look like mechanics or something like it's like fuck like i should have went with that guy do you remember the show where you had to go on a date with the person's parents and that was how you would determine yeah and i don't i think it was you didn't meet the girl first if i'm nah, correct you met their people you, and then after that you decide if you want her remember room raiders yeah you well, go that's through the somebody's room to bring up yeah 
that it's shit all the same was era. Yeah, like all of that shit was just like, oh yeah, get to know a person without knowing the person. <laughs> what was it about that concept that they love so much? It's intriguing. I feel like you can still do it now. Because it's like putting, it's like a blind date with, like it's like extreme blind dating. Yeah. <laughs> if someone walked in here today before I got a chance to clean, and they still wanted to date me, they're probably the one. Let me say that much. <laughs> Because I, if I didn't know there was a girl that could be my future wife walking in this room and Man. she chose me anyways, I would be fairly confident. All right. <laughs> yeah. You fuck with who I am for real. I guess I got to give you props for that. I think that's uh, that's something. They got something on Netflix now, like The Circle or some shit like that. Oh, they brought it where back Where people got a, a date without seeing each other. Like, they talk to each other through a communication system that they got set up in all the rooms. And some people are catfish and you don't even know if they're really the person <laughs> that they're telling you they are. Oh, okay, that makes it a little scary. Because if it was just Man. a blind date, that's one thing. But there's also yeah, but it's the mystery off, aspect. They got to keep hyping. You know, they got to keep adding different levels of difficulty to it. Because if it's just like, oh, yeah, well, this person is absolutely a girl. Then... <laughs> <laughs> it's really just a buff-ass dude. absolutely a girl that you're connecting with. Man, I didn't know that's what that show was. I saw advertisements for it, or is it? It's a Netflix thing, right? Like Netflix made. Yeah, it. Yeah, I think Netflix owns that. Yeah, they're doing a whole lot of their own shows now with like big mm-hmm. actors. All right, so this whole streaming service deal—I saw it coming from a mile away, and, and like I feel like it's one of those things where maybe I'm just a smart guy. Maybe I just—that's what it is. But I feel like if we were all smart people, we would have rejected streaming services as soon as we saw it from the jump, right? Because that's what I was doing. I was saying no, like. Don't you like that, like, you can see everything on Netflix and that's it? Don't you like that, like, that's what Netflix was. It came along and we could ever see everything on one thing. Yeah. Now everybody's got their own shit and you yeah, got to pay for everything shit. separately. Yeah. Bro, I could have told you that 10 fucking years ago. <laughs> like, nobody cared having, and now it's just what it is. It's I was sad. having a conversation with somebody not too long ago, like, where do you think the idea of streaming started? And in my head, it was, you know, Comcast used to have the, uh, the video on demand. Like, you could go on demand and watch like certain shows that they had loaded up yeah and i felt like that was some of the the like parent structure of streaming because those were shows that you didn't have to wait till they came on yeah it wasn't a certain time that you could watch them they were just available for you to watch yeah my i will never forget i used to go to my buddy's house and we would jam to hip random ass hip-hop music videos that were on demand Mm -hmm. inside his living room because that was the only shit we fucking had you didn't have wi-fi if we wanted to yeah. listen to music, we had to go on direct TV on demand mm-hmm. and go to the hip hop music video section. <laughs> and I think that's kind of that was the the inception of like streaming. Yeah, and it's just like okay, you're right. I never thought You can choose about it like this that. whenever you want to watch it. I'm like, it's preloaded shit. It's not everything. Or or even the same as uh, having a DVR. It's similar to that. Just yeah. streamable. That's the like only I get to difference. choose when I want to watch it. Yeah, yeah. So I think that was like the the inception of it, and then. As far as music went, it was Napster, yep. where, you know, you didn't have to necessarily buy the music. You can just find it and download it and burn it on a CD. And then there was LimeWire that gave everybody's computer A's. And then <laughs> there was other shit that, you know, came along from there. But I think the the beginning of streaming for music was Napster. And as far as, like, other forms of media, as far as, like, videos and movies and TV and stuff like that, I think it was when those cable services started doing on-demand. Yeah, but if you really wanted to go to video streaming, it'd be YouTube, right? YouTube would be the first real, because they did it for free, and then other people started charging. Yeah, but YouTube didn't have, like, original content, like... 
Right. Like Comcast and DirecTV had all of the stuff from these different networks. Yeah. Where you can see, you know, YouTube was just whatever people uploaded. It wasn't like these big, you know, FX and Cartoon Network and all of that stuff wasn't partnering with YouTube and putting all that stuff on there. I see. And that's not the same. Like, that's what a streaming service is now. Yeah. 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 So it was kind of all there from the jump in a way. Yeah. And then Netflix came along and became that for real. Somebody was telling me that, um, it's, somebody was telling me why it's so dangerous to plan ahead. And at first, when you say that out loud, it just sounds like that person's a fucking idiot. Like, you have to plan for the next couple moves. But it was like, okay, think that if you want to. But you're going to be Blockbuster. Yeah. Blockbuster didn't plan on Netflix happening. So Blockbuster spent all of his money like, hey, come to this brick-and-mortar store and rent any movie you want to see. It's just cheap. You bring it back. Charge you a small fee if you don't rewind it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just, but you can watch whatever you. All you got to do is come to the store. You can get DVDs. We got Blu-rays. We got tapes. If you still got a VHS at the house, they didn't plan on Netflix being a thing. They didn't plan for evolution. So all their eggs were in one basket. Blockbuster could have easily, like, connected with Netflix in some kind of way. Netflix could have been Blockbuster online, but they didn't want to evolved they were like no we got this model it's been working for us and then netflix turned them into a dinosaur yeah so he's like you know you could plan for whatever but that plan needs to have some kind of wiggle room because once you get too locked into something the world is going to make you a dinosaur and the best way to conceptualize it if you wanted to think about it in your real life would be like because like you said, someone says that and you almost think like, that's bullshit. I have to plan. Yeah. Okay. Let's say you have a 20-year plan. Now, what was the world like in 2003? Yeah. <laughs> 50 Cent was hanging up and down, upside down in the club. I mean, in the workout arena saying, go, 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 yeah. go. You would not think that little Baby would be on top of the game now with the way that he raps. If you go back 20 years and look at what 50 Cent was doing. And you even would think 10 every, years. You would think everybody was going to be in tank tops super buff. Like, <laughs> yeah. This is the future. We're all going to be soldiers looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really wonder what they were thinking about the future of the rap game in 2003. Yeah. Because they did not have a proper scope of it for sure. I mean, yeah. they probably couldn't have even predicted Lil Wayne. <laughs> in 2003, I don't think they would have predicted a J. Cole. They nope. wouldn't have predicted predicted a Kendrick Lamar. Hell they no. wouldn't have predicted um fucking Nicki Minaj. Tyler the Creator, hell no no way. Oh hell no, not Tyler. Uh, and, nah. and definitely not a lot of these like twenty fifteen onward people. But like yeah. Tyler, even his early shit, like early two thousand eight, you couldn't have guessed two thousand nine, you'd have bastard in 2003 yeah. that's a six-year difference too and that's what True. we're talking about yeah. there's such a difference and i think that one thing that people think about i mean we think about mathematics this way or like science this way where we can discover new things and there are people out there that study it for their whole lives but we don't think about art and trades this way like music someone could pick up a guitar and come up with a brand new fucking way to play that guitar today and it's one of those things that we're talking about that you can't predict. I don't know that some yeah. guy's going to change the way rock music sounds in five years because I just can't even imagine that. It takes yeah. that guy and that human spirit to do it. And that's the thing about the human spirit is it's so random and it's based yeah. on impulse a lot of the time. So, yeah, man, I just, you know, you, uh, I, I plan as far ahead as I believe in. <laughs> that's what I could go I with. I mean, because that's what you, I, I feel like that's a safe thing because you plan up until a point 
And then if things start changing or, you know, certain variables come into play, now it's like, okay, you know what? I didn't put all my eggs in this basket so I can adapt. Yeah. Or, you know what I'm saying? I, I Okay, going straight didn't work. There's a detour sign here. I could choose to go left or I can choose to go right. Let's figure out what we're going to do, how we're going to get around this. So <clears throat> to to be... It's what like, box you put yourself in. Yeah. If you're in too small of a box, if you really box yourself in... It's over. Oh, it just does that. We're all good. Okay. I was looking like, this is blank on that side. <laughs> it looks it's, like. Well, for the listener, it just, it does a weird thing on the computer screen. But what it is, I figured it out. It's because every two hours, it splits the recording automatically. It's just oh, one of those okay. things. Okay. Yeah. But it looks like cool. it like scrapped yeah, the first two hours. Yeah, I was looking like, uh, it, 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 it's saying we started over. Like, And I'm so used to monitoring stuff in my own studio, like stuff like that. It always kind of gives me a, a certain, like, like I feel like I have to look out for it. Like, hold on. Well, dude, I'm the guy here. doing it. That's the thing. I've always <laughs> been, like, mainly my own mix master producer. Like, the only thing I don't do is make my own beats. I produce it all. I mix it. I master it. Uh, with the podcast, I've always recorded it myself. And I have gotten more humble over the years in the sense that, like, I know if I like a shit from a year ago, it does not sound, even the podcast, it could have sounded so much better. And... Yeah. I'm just the fact that I can see it that way. That's all the good stuff that comes with being your own, uh, your own everything. I should say, being a one man show. Yeah. Because then you're able to identify your problems a lot better. But goddamn, it takes like a decade to get to a point where you actually yeah. feel comfortable. If you want my opinion. Nah, I mean <laughs> I've been doing it for a hot little minute myself, so I know like the troubleshooting gets a lot easier when you've been in problems so many times. It's yep. got to be this, this, or this. Yeah, to the point where now I can have this conversation with you and just take a peek over here every now and then and everything can run smoothly. Because right. that's a tough thing to do for somebody who's not familiar with just even working yeah. with their own equipment. Be freaking all the way out. Fuck, it cut <laughs> yeah. us off at the two-hour mark. All right, we're just going to start back up. Remember what you were saying? <laughs> I think you said something about your grandma's cookies. Just just come back in on cookie. It cut off right before you said cookie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure, bro. I mean, I don't know when it cut off, to be honest with you. <laughs> right. <laughs> So, yeah. Yeah, and it just feels, I think, uh, the other thing is people are more comfortable when you're comfortable. I'm sure you've experienced that with, like, the, oh, yeah. all of the amount of experience you have doing all these different trades mm. through having to learn it. When people come in now, they trust you. They, they see that you're the guy who knows he can get the job done. Yeah. That comes with a certain amount of experience. I see that more with, uh, <clears throat> I see that more with singers than anything. Like, yeah. I feel like rappers... Rappers, for the most part, have a, a certain kind of cockiness or a bravado that kind of forces them to be like, oh, no, I got this. <laughs> you know, like, I feel like rappers do that. But singers are a lot more insecure because it's their voice. And, you know what I'm saying, they, they want to prove to the world they can actually sing and stuff like that. So um, I noticed that, like, people who have had horror stories from working with other producers or engineers and stuff in the past will come in and I'll see the guard up and I'll see, you know, how short they are with their answers. And then time will progress and I just see them become more of themselves and the shoulders relax and then they want to try stuff. Okay, well, let me just try this. And then they go in. Oh, okay, maybe they can go higher on that note. You think? Yeah. And then we go back and forth and now we got a rapport. That guard comes down. Um, I feel like rappers kind of already have how they want to sound in mind so they're kind of less open to that direction some of them not not all of them but i feel like rappers in general are less open to that collaborative energy when it comes to their performance so they come in how they come in and they're going to do what they're going to do but singers like i will literally see them blossom 
Like, you know, they would be a closed little flower, hit them with some water, some sunlight, and they open right on up. So, yeah. Got to be rappers People have out to there be comfortable. that are singers and they don't realize it, right? Like, you got to... A lot of... I was yeah. one. I didn't realize that I had, you know what I'm saying, the, the talent that I that I have, not that I delve into R&B as much as I do. Like, I listen to it all the time. But in the back of my head, now nah, I don't sound like this person. I don't sound like Usher, so I can't be a singer. Yeah. The fact that I, uh, I had experience in a band is what really opened my mind to the fact that, oh, I can combine these two things. Yeah. I mean, because um, to me, the songwriting was the same exact thing. Like, I'm not looking at them separately. It was just that these are way different instrumentals than what I'm used to writing to. Like, there's no 808 here. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. <laughs> That's the, like, to me, that was what it was. And I was filling the role that was given to me and and i just realized the things that were possible with just approaching rhythms in those different ways and thinking about it in those different ways and reconceptualizing what a song might be in my brain right because i'm always thinking about it like how am i going to rap here how am i going to make this a good example of my rap abilities but sometimes when that hook hits it doesn't need you to rap it needs you to uh, use that something singing something a little voice. more melodic, yeah. Yeah, and who knows what that might be. Sometimes I find that while I'm right here recording, like I'll write it a certain way, and then as I'm recording, I'm like, oh, this is where the voice sits in this song. Yeah. There's there's a whole lot of that, so. Do something accidentally playing around, and then it sounds good. It's like, well, fuck, I might keep that. And that's what a singer of a band would do as opposed to a rapper. Yeah. They're exploring a lot more, and I mm -hmm. think that it helps a lot just to have... Maybe it's the jam aspect of it. Maybe it's because, like, when they're playing instruments, it's an actual jam that's happening in real time. Right. That could definitely play into just the feeling of, I don't know. I don't know. I can't really put my finger on it. I just know that for a fact, like, that to me made it a lot easier to sing in my hip-hop material. It just made me understand how they're really congruent. They're not all that different. Yeah, I think the jam made it more of a, a instinctual thing. Yes, exactly. Because now it's like I'm not thinking functionality i'm not thinking technicality i'm not trying to fit as much words as i can into this small space that's a bar and rock music you kind of have a little more space to open up where you want to line to end you know and rap it has to be on a certain beat sometimes you know depending on what kind of rapper you are but once you get used to experimenting on the fly because it's a jam session and oh i can play this part of the drums a little bit faster and leave space for the guitar riff to kind of end off a certain way or you know maybe i lay back on the guitar because the bass is going crazy right here or you know what i'm saying like people are kind of used to making space for the other people in the band right so it's it's so easy to take from here and give over here they're working together y'all work together yeah. And rapping is like, oh, I have to be the star of the show. I have to keep people's attention. So I can't sing on this hook because it don't feel like the rest of the song does. Yeah. I'm supposed to keep rapping because that's what I do. I'm a rapper. Yeah, they're not trying to work with whatever the moment is. Yeah, I'm not trying to focus on what's best for the song. It's like, oh, no, I rap. So I need to give my audience this because this is what they want. I mean, to not me... Not always the case. Yeah, it's not always the case. I think what resonates the most with the audience is whatever is most true to you in the end. Like, the fact that you found that truth within yourself and were able to pinpoint it is what people feel the, the most. Like, yeah. when I write a song that I just feel in my fucking soul and when I perform it, I know I feel it. Right. 
I know it doesn't matter whether or not you respond to it in this way or that way. I just know for a fact that the people who understand what I'm doing, they'll see they how much I'm putting into it, that. Yeah. yeah. But, like, a lot of things, artists, young artists, a lot of times don't know who they are. Yeah. And they get lost in... As um, a person and an artist. Well, and as you said, when you're writing, you're considering yourself, the listener, and the business aspect of it. Like, how does this fit the image? Mm-hmm. And I think young people, they can barely even grasp that. I just want to go. <laughs> yeah. I just want to go. And I've been hearing a lot of people who uh, have been active in music for, like, years and years always say, like, you had your whole life to do your first project. Mm. And then from there, you got a year to reinvent a totally different thing. Like, you you can talk about your experiences from the moment you were born until the moment that album drops. And that's unique because nobody heard that story before. So on your second project, can't go back there. You done used up all that material. Now you got to talk about what happened in the last year. And don't take two years because people going to forget who you are totally. Right. I always tell people to at least like drop tapes before you drop that album too, right? Because if you yeah or singles we talking, or whatever. Yeah, I mean, are we? Are you just talking your first release, or are you talking your first album? I'm saying the way that you get introduced to the world, whether that be an EP, whether that be an album, whether that be a breakout single or whatever. Don't rush it. That first impression, like the first thing that's going to stick, you have your whole life to come up with what sticks. Yeah. And then once people have that, um, once they have that thought of you or they have that picture of you, from there, you have to, like, you stuck. I mean, not necessarily stuck, but it's like, now you're in a position where you have to reinvent yourself again. Or you need to take this same material and make it fresh. You got to say it in a new way. In a way that people are going to want to listen to it for another album's worth of material. Yeah, right. Because we're in a different climate now than before. It's yeah. not like before where you can take a few years and you're going to have a dedicated fan base. It's like everybody's mm. rabidly waiting for your newest Everybody's material. dropping 3,000 songs a day. Yeah. Like, you know. I saw some crazy thing where they were saying it's like millions of songs on Spotify with zero listens. I heard about that. Um, And it's like, what? Like, they're not even listening to their own shit? Like, (laughs) But then when you think about it, some people are dedicated to a certain, like, platform. So, like, let's say you have Spotify and I have Apple Music. If I listen to my shit on only Apple Music and I tell my friends and I'm pushing the Apple Music link because that's what I personally use and that's what I swear by, until it comes across your radar... I don't have anybody that's going to Spotify to listen to this song. Exactly. If if a tree falls in the wood and no one's around to hear it fall, did yeah. the tree fall at all? If I don't <laughs> if I don't have anybody that's like, oh, I see that you dropped something, I'm gonna go look for it over here. Yeah. Yeah. You know, if you just click the link, wherever it opens up is wherever it opens up. Well that's but, the whole problem with it. It's like what so what is the function of having all this useless music on the platform too? Like yeah. it's just there. What do you do with it? No Taking one's ever space. the person who made the shit's not even advertising. It. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> like but I, I that's what that's one thing that I need to do too. Like I I drop my music and then I just give it to the world. I, I, okay, so I think that could work if you are an expert at real life marketing. That's how I've been thinking about that. Is like if you wanted to be the guy who had everybody come to you, you probably could pull that off. But you'd have to be like we were talking about an 
everybody's face 24-7 because yeah. how could they deny you? They see you all the time. Right. But, like, other than that, like, I don't see how you do it without... You can't. Yeah. People see, and I'm, I'm probably running this name in the mud now, but people see J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar, and they think, oh... I can just let my music speak for itself because you don't see Kendrick on social media. You don't see him TikToking. You don't see him next to a bunch of celebrities just trying to look cool because he's the rapper in the group of a bunch of other celebrities. It's like he drops his music. He dresses how he wants to dress. He doesn't care about wearing a bunch of fashion. He'll be in a video in a bandana and a cowboy vest if he wants to. But that's Kendrick, Le that's Kendrick Lamar. He's worked himself to a position where he can do that now. He doesn't have to do 75 interviews every time a project comes out. He doesn't have to go on the big press run. Oh, I'm going to go to every podcast. I'm going to go to every radio station. I'm going to make sure they know this project is coming out. I think the last time he did that was probably like to Pimp a Butterfly or some 10 shit. 10 to 15, yeah. I somewhere. think that was to Pimp a Butterfly maybe where he was going around explaining the album to everybody and doing freestyles and all of that You're shit. right. You're right because he did uh, Cause I don't some think freestyles he did that on the for radio. Damn. I don't think he did that for Dan. Or he, it it might have been Dan, but I know for sure he no, didn't you're do right. it for the, uh, the latest project. I specifically remember him going on, um, I can't remember which radio remember station he was it was, Big but Boy. he freestyled. Yeah, I think it was Big Boy. And he did the verse from Hood Politics, I think. Because I specific, mm -hmm. specifically remember hearing it and going, I remember that verse. The Democrats and Rebletikins? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Fucking great verse. Yeah. Uh, Kendrick's my probably my favorite rapper, hands down. I love Kendrick. Oh, he's crazy. We mentioned him a lot in this room. He's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. Big inspiration around here, uh, around these parts. But uh, yeah, man, I feel like... Uh, that was the last time that he really did do a big press run like that because nowadays you never really see him out or in interviews or anything. It's, it's exactly what we're talking. He doesn't have to anymore. Yeah, he didn't work himself to a point where I don't have to do that anymore. And people see him where he is now and think like, oh, no, Kendrick Lamar is not running around everywhere telling people he got a project coming. Okay, Kendrick Lamar has three or four classic projects. Can you say that for yourself? Yeah. And if you can say that, cool, sit back and do whatever you want. But, you know, until you work yourself, and that's the same. That's the thing, like I was saying, like, until you get to where you want to be, you're going to have to do some uncomfortable shit. You can't be comfortable and complacent because yeah. you don't get anywhere doing everything you've been doing. Everything you've been doing has you here. Complacency what do is I luxury. need to do to get to that next level? Yeah, it's a, it's a luxury. A lot of people can't afford to just be comfortable and those people i think you're not growing when you are that comfortable you're not getting to that next level you're not even thinking about how yeah. i'm i'm one of the the random people that's still on tumblr and i saw a post that says the real growth starts when you get tired of your own shit wow because if everybody else is telling, you need to change you need to do you can hear it and until you resonate with it you don't make any changes like you can store it in your brain. Oh, I need to change. I need to do better. But when you look around and start being, I'm tired of this shit. Like, I need to do something different. That's when the change actually happens because you're tired of it. Other people can feel how they feel, and you might feel for them or understand where they're coming from, but until you feel it for yourself, nothing changes. I mean, I would even go as far to say that sometimes it takes the action itself. Like, just even if you're in denial, if you take the change that you feel like you should, but you don't, 
Like you're in denial, and then it does make the difference that you thought it was going to make. It confirms itself. Yeah. Like sometimes you just have to force yourself to make change. But you're uncomfortable in that moment because yeah. you're forcing yourself to do something. And you're addressing that. Just the thought I was of just it. listening to something. It was talking about lobsters. Yeah. Lobsters are a soft animal and a hard shell. That shell doesn't grow. So how does the lobster get bigger? When it gets uncomfortable, or there's not enough space for me here, it goes hides under some rocks, it sheds the shell that it has, and it goes gets a bigger shell. It creates a bigger shell. And then when that shell gets too small, it goes back under the rocks, it breaks off what it needs to break off, gets a bigger somewhere, some breathing room, and then he can go back out in the world and do whatever he does with his new shell. But if they had... If lobsters had something that pacified them, like, oh, I'm uncomfortable. Oh, you don't need to be uncomfortable. Do this or take this or take this medicine. Take an Advil. They don't get any bigger because every time they get uncomfortable, they just pop a pill and then they write back, oh, okay, cool. I guess it's not so bad here. They're not uncomfortable enough to change some shit. They're not uncomfortable enough to go under them rocks and get their shit together and get a bigger shell. Yeah. Yeah. And then seafood boils would never be the same because all the lobsters are fucking small because nobody wants to change. Another quote I like a lot is, great achievement requires great sacrifice. And I think that goes right along with all that. I mean, like, you have to be willing to give things up and get out of that bubble in order to get that achievement, too. Like, if you do have dreams beyond that, you have to be willing to give things up. I don't know why that reminded me of the Spider-Man quote. It is pretty like, close, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Great power requires great responsibility. Yeah. <laughs> as soon as you said that, I was like, oh, fuck, this is spider No, that's not Spider-Man. You know, if I ever make a knockoff Spider-Man, I know what quote I'm going for. Go for it. See? <laughs> Idea man, that's what I do. Yeah, right. I, I mean, I so might as well. So when we just... start doing rules comics, yeah. <laughs> I was gonna say when I go to Chicago, I'm just gonna bring you, and you're gonna sit in a corner when we do all these podcasts, and you'll just throw ideas out every now and then. Yeah. But comics, you're 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 the idea man, and you came up with an idea better than my idea. You just did it in real time. <laughs> rules comics, I'm telling yeah. you, that's even better. Yeah, yeah, I'll take it, man. I could use a comic book. You talking like comic books? Yeah. Okay. Now, that's how would we go wild. about this? Um, either, oh, just oh. like the, the Spider-Man. Okay, yeah. I can get the or, gears turning. Okay. Let's, let's say it like this, right? So let's say you base it off of an interview you actually had. Let's say you, this interview here, yeah. 74 um, <laughs> Iron Man, but I'm not Iron Man. I'd be like Steel Person <laughs> or something like yeah. that, right? Yeah. So we take these conversations, <laughs> and it's you in front of your mic, you know what I'm saying? It has a caricature of you, speech bubbles from the, the quotes that you want to say or the part of the conversation you want to include in the comic, and then... It shows the person you're interviewing, and I'm Iron Man. Yeah. You know, and the, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, oh, man, I, this is the interview I really had with G.S. The Dream, but in the comic, yeah. he's Iron Man. And I would be arachnid boy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. So then, you know what I'm saying, you, you could kind of blend the two worlds if that's something that you were doing. It could also be something totally different where you could come up with like just random adventures for these characters to go through and it just be knockoffs and you could get a cult following just because everyone loves these these drawings or whatever. So it really just depends on however, you know, it, it manifests for you. But, you know, I just throw that out there. However you want to do it. You just came up with my third or fourth revenue stream just now. Because I'm going to throw comedian in there and then if I throw comics, bro, bro, we're, gonna, we're gonna on top crazy. of the world. 
Once Ruse Comics comes out, and he just laid it all out right for me. I got this on record. It's not one of those yeah. conversations where I was like, oh, damn, I wish I remember what, what that guy said. What did he say? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I got it all the right here. The whole blueprint. Take yeah. that. And I'm on record saying when people take whatever we talk about and go be great with it, I'm not angry. So you have the proof. Like, no, you can't sue me, motherfucker. You no. said you'd be cool with this. Not only that, I'm keeping in touch. I'm going to message him every couple days. Like, hey, man, so what do you think Arachnid Boy should do after this? <laughs> like, what yeah. do you think is a good character arc for uh, uh, um, Professor Tentacles. <laughs> right. And then <laughs> I think like if do? the webs come out of his wrist, it's going to be too close to being sued. His webs are like, <laughs> yeah. it should come out like his elbows and he swings awkwardly like this, you know? No, we're probably going to have to switch it from webs to like slime. Right? A slime out the elbows coming from Arachnid Boy. That'd be crazy. That's close enough. Elbows, I like that because he'd have to have some crazy form. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Elbows and feet. Let's go all the way. Yeah. So he can not, he, he's doing some crazy maneuvers. <laughs> he's crumping in the air. He's <laughs> crumping midair. <laughs> like, is that Chris Brown up there? Yeah. Yo, yo. We'll have a, oh, I was going to say we'll have a black arachnid boy before a black Spider Man, but I think it's been done on the video yeah. games. Yeah. Not on the movies. The yet. animated movies. Yes, you're right. Damn it. And that's. You know, this is coming out a month after we're filming, but I do really want to see that. It's in theaters right now, that new Spider-Man movie. Mm -hmm. Damn it, man. I, I saw the first one in theaters. Mm -hmm. That was probably the best Spider-Man movie I've seen ever. Yeah. It was that good. It's fucking crazy. Dad, you haven't seen the new one, have you? Not yet. No, not yet. You, do you like these movies? Oh, yeah. Hell yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a nerd with this shit. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, um, I admit I haven't, I'm not as well versed in the DC movies. But the uh, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I'm pretty I'm pretty caught up on that shit. You lose me when you get to the TV shows. Up until they started doing shows, I was keeping yeah. up pretty good. But it, I think that's a lot of people's experience, to be yeah, honest. Yeah, because the shows kind of felt like a cash grab to a lot of people. Because it's like, okay, you're opening up Disney Plus. You want to get everybody to your app, so you put these shows only on your. And app. And they all could have been movies. I get it, but I mean, Wandavision, I don't think could have been a movie because of the way. It builds. Yeah. You know, I feel like they needed all of those frames to, to show how she was really, like, not in the real world, but created this place in her mind. Like, at first, it just seems like it's a regular play on old school TV and then you get deeper into it and you see that she's unraveling and then you tie it into the shit that happened in the comics Blah, 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 blah. Long story short, I'm a nerd. <laughs> and I watch that shit. And I, I like the multiverse it. thing, too. That's a good way to introduce it for a lot yeah. of people. Because a lot of people can understand it if you frame it in a familiar format like that. Yeah, and it kind of introduces it in, uh, like, the way that they went from having Earth-level villains to planet-level villains to galaxy-level villains, you know. Because uh, I feel like as they introduced more heroes the villains got stronger because i started with iron man so iron man is literally fighting other people that are smart enough to make machines yeah. he's not fighting aliens he's not fighting you know thanos and you yeah know what i'm saying he's like, fighting it's, it's people a, one of those things it's hard, for, hard for us to remember because we don't remember we're thinking from our 2023 brain yeah. back when these movies first came out 
Thor was really the first fantastical one that even was around. And then there was the second Thor, and that was the only fantastical one. It was those two. Mm. It was only Avengers when we got, like, really aliens and yeah. Loki coming from a different universe. Oh, that was when everything together, became yeah. that, like you said, like a uh, a planetary threat as opposed to a threat from Earth. Because Thor was the only one that really did all that. Yeah. And, yeah, it, it's interesting how it's expanded in that way. It's a good— So then they got cosmic, and now we got people, you know what I'm saying, just— just way bigger threats to what's going on. And now we need somebody that's a little bit stronger than just Captain America and Iron Man. And you know what I'm saying? Like the the people who kind of started with the, the MCU. So I like the way that it's grown and how things are like tied in together yeah. um, throughout the process of it and how you can see hints of certain things in other movies. Because like, uh, I think it was at the end of something where the Hawk was reading the screen and he was like, and this something, I don't know, it's some metal in... Wakanda, Wakanda, what it like? He's and it shows like okay. At this point, everybody didn't even know what Wakanda was, and then move forward a little bit longer. And Black Panther is one of the most prominent superheroes on the team. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, they popularized end credit scenes from my yeah. perspective. Like I think it was For them sure. where it was like, now we have to start looking up if there's one or two end credit scenes while we're sitting in this theater because right. I don't want to walk out after the first one and miss the second one. And, uh, yeah, it's to the point where... Bec- it's a very interesting thing because I look at it two ways. For one, they're doing what TV shows did really well. They are just they just found a way to serialize film just like TV shows do, which blows my mind because it, it's like a continuity thing. It's like watching a TV show. Like, I fell in love with these characters. I've seen so many episodes. Like, you... You get this relationship that you can't get through one film. The yeah. fact that they were able to do that in a world where that didn't exist yet is crazy, and it's hard for us to understand because we've all seen how the Marvel universe and I've works. Seen how they grow, like yeah. just in characters. Because, like I said back at the beginning, Iron Man very selfish. That was pretty much his personality. Was hey, I'm gonna figure out how to make this work for me. I'm smart. I have a lot of money. The world is at my beck and call, pretty much. And we're and talking was, like three movies. And I was Iron Man. Yeah. And then it gets to the point where he's so selfless that he gave himself up to, he sacrificed himself to save the world from Thanos. So it's like, damn. Well, like, they said, what's like, so I've crazy about it, that Tony. Art, is they said, oh, sorry, what did you say? Like at that part, it's like, fuck, I, I've grown with Tony. Like I've seen him mature. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, it took so long to get there. Like they, mm-hmm. if we, it's a, well-told story because you can feel that. Because you can say, I've grown with him and I saw him change. Because the story's believable. You saw each step of the way. Yeah. Like, throughout each movie, they were taking another step in that direction. The first Avengers, he does make a sacrifice, but it's mm-hmm. not completely in that way. It's 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 just a way that we can identify with it in, in, in a format you couldn't do with a fucking one movie. I can't see him change like that in one right. movie. It's impossible. Right. Yeah, and the Marvel movies blow my mind like that. And the, and the fact that they also are capable of teasing people because we all have this knowledge of the comics going into it. So when we see these end credits scenes, the only reason they even make any sense is because we know, oh shit, they don't have a Fantastic Four movie out just yet, but they just tease Fantastic Four. Right. So, like, yeah. they're playing into it, they're telling us it's coming. And also, like, to the point where it can be a bit much. Like, there was the recent one in the Doctor Strange movie with the whole, uh, the whole X Men thing, and we had uh, John Krasinski. 
Shout out my boy from the office as Captain <laughs> freaking, or no, I was going to say Captain Fantastic, but uh, yes, that was it, right? Yeah, yeah, he's the leader of the, he's Mr. Strike, Reed Richards. Yeah, Reed. Yeah, but yeah. my boy Reed Richards was John Krasinski, Jim, my boy Jim. About to see Makes you. a lot of sense though. It does actually. Like, that's work. a very good casting. I actually didn't mind it when I saw it, but I and and I'm that guy. I actually am capable of avoiding trailers. I don't watch a single goddamn one. If I know, I don't want to know. So when I saw that in theaters, I was like, "Yo, Jim's in this." Right. <laughs> I yeah. didn't know. Yeah. <laughs> I was genuinely surprised. So I, I recommend to everybody to go into movies like that, especially with the Marvel movies, because those yeah. trailers, they usually give away so Way much. too much. Don't Way even too fucking much. I'm the guy, if I'm at the theater watching a movie, as soon as the trailers start, I leave the theater and time it. I wait like 10 minutes and then come back in so I miss all the trailers. I will not be subject to a trailer. They uh, fuck me up. Great. Oh, yeah. You you go far with it. <laughs> Dude, you go, I hate you them that much. You go heavy with it. Because yeah. they used to be good in the 80s. If you watch those classic trailers, they used to edit them yeah. with mystery. Now they just tell you fucking everything. Well, it's commonplace I think that's now. the that's the thing where it's like the, the small attention span. Yep. It's like if it doesn't grab my attention in the, in the movie when I see the trailer, I'm not going to pay money to go watch the movie because it didn't grab my attention. They show you know the end, though. Like they show they the, show the yeah, they will show the the people who are fighting. They show you who the villain is. They show you all of that shit. They show you why they beefing. All of that shit. The only thing that they don't show you are the monologues. And it's like, damn, you, <laughs> you just showed me all the action. I could piece together the other shit. And I, I guess it, they, they're just banking on the fact that most people don't remember. But God damn it, I love a good trailer. I remember sitting in the theater before the movie starts. I remember every yeah. single piece of your damn trailer. <laughs> right. The whole movie, I'm thinking, that guy can't die you yet. Take that away I saw from him at Dude, the end. I do that. I do that. Yeah. Like Sometimes when I see like a trailer or some shit or I see a... a a snippet of something for, or even like in a movie, like something to happen, and then my girl be like, "Damn, is he dead?" And I'll be looking like, "Nah, it's thirty five minutes left for this movie. He's not dead." Like, <laughs> yeah. like girl, do you not watch yeah, movies? Yeah, like, and, it's, <laughs> and, and then she's like in the moment, and I wish I could be in the moment with her, but my fucking logical brain, is <laughs> yeah. like, no, it's thirty five minutes left for this shit. He ain't dead. <laughs> Who gonna kill people for the next thirty minutes? We're, we lose that childlike wonder, dog. Yeah. It's hard to look at a movie with like John eyes. Wick. Like I wish I could just walk into a John Wick movie and then just be like, "Oh man, this shit was crazy." I wonder if that was enough to take him out. But I've seen him kill people with a pencil. So, like he fucked somebody up with a book. Like you know, he can walk in Office Max and be fucking lethal as ever with no weapon. He can walk in there and take a binder off the shelf, kill everybody in here. Yeah, yeah. He's John fucking Wick. But you know, just like walking into it without the knowledge that he's the man. Like, would I be able to enjoy the movie a little bit more? Like, oh damn, he did that. Dang, he fucked him up with that. Yo, he's this guy is sick. Like, but I saw the first three, so when I see. The fourth one, I'm just be like, okay, I know he can't die in this scene where it shows me nobody else could survive this on the planet. Can you imagine John if you're watching Wick a movie with some fucking girl and she says in the middle of John Wick, did he just die? I'm like, bitch, it's John Wick 4. <laughs> All right. <laughs> you don't get four movies by just dying in the first explosion, okay? He has at least two more of these before we can even think he's too weak to kill 90 people. <laughs> This isn't fucking James Bond number nine, okay? Right. <laughs> but nah, like, yeah, I feel like 
that's one of those things where ignorance is bliss because it's like if I'm not super versed in this, I could experience it for what it is. And then there's some things where you have to know the backstory to experience it for the you know the full picture that the the person intended it to give off or something like that. So yeah, I mean, um, somebody, I think it just depends. It does depend because somebody told me recently, like they kind of opened my eyes to that. Like it made me think about even maybe considering doing intros for these podcasts because how he was telling me it was in a video editing. Uh, context right. in the sense that if you're editing a video mm-hmm. think about okay i'm sitting here you're sitting there and right. i'm going to show you this video now what am i going to tell you to contextualize the video so you know what you're about to watch it's kind of like when i show you a new song that i just wrote mm-hmm. a lot of the time when a rapper will show you a new song they'll say so this new song i wrote it kind of makes me feel like this like i was in this place when i wrote it i'm trying out this new right. thing they contextualize it for you, and then they show it to you. Yeah, It's just like if I have an intro for a podcast, and I say, hey, this is uh, GS the Dream. I know him because of this. Uh, this is what I know about his music. This is what I think about his music. This is kind of how I felt while we had the podcast. Yeah. It puts everything in a place where now when they're watching, they're thinking about me and how, oh, they're thinking from my eyes when I went into the podcast. And yeah. just that with everything. Like, I could definitely do that with more with my music. I know that. Because I'm always oh, yeah. in some type of place when I write something. I If I was showing you a song right now, I would definitely tell you what it meant to me. I'd say, right. yo, this is what I'm meaning with this song. And then right. I would show you. Absolutely. I think um, to to break down the little, the the intro thing a little bit easier, I think what you should be, what you should do is take a generic intro and then like say something that can apply to everybody, it can apply to literally anybody you have on the screen. Like, you know what, on this week's episode, we talked about, and then you show clips from the conversation that you had with you and that artist or some shit that is super out of context if you don't know how it was said, right? So you show these five-second clips of, yeah, I'm trying to brainwash people. Or, yeah, man, this is a super sad story. It started with blah, blah, blah. And then, you know what I'm saying? You take these five-second things and be like, yo, if you want to know what we was talking about, make sure you tune in to episode 74 with GS The Dream. And now people have those little trailer moments. And it's like, okay, they're laughing right here, hard as hell. What was that funny? Well, have you seen Impulsive, Jake Paul, or Logan Paul's podcast? It does no. just that That's what, what it does. Saying. Except no, there's no narration, so it's just like five wild moments from the episode, and then boom, it goes right into it. And you're then, right, though. That's the perfect way to do it. Yeah, because yeah. then it's like, I see the person you're doing, so that introduces who's on the screen. Even if I don't know their name, I see who you're talking to. And then, you know... But imagine if it just cuts into you saying, I had my pants down at the Grand Opera. Right. <laughs> like right. immediately. No, shit, it would be crazy. <laughs> yeah. Now they're wondering, who the fuck's this guy? Now yeah. you hear this whole story. Or if it just cuts straight <laughs> into, yeah, somewhere there's a sex addict talking about smash therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yes. It's like, oh, shit, what That's the fuck are you talking about? That is a good and one. And they don't even know we talk about rage rooms and shit. Mm, okay. Because what I do now currently is I'll cut them down to like just one moment where you're talking about one specific topic and I'll find a good thing that kind of encapsulates it. But maybe just a grand little three or four fun moments. Yeah. Because yeah. I feel like it, it alludes to the energy of the overall yes. thing. Because right. it's easy to take, like, if we were to do the nature versus nurture talk, and then you're like, oh, so what does that mean to you? And then you take that excerpt of when I was trying to explain, is this what this person learned or is this who this person is? And people might see that part and be like, oh, damn, dream's so deep. 
You know what I'm saying? And then they don't know later on, I cracked the joke about this or about that. Like, I feel like if you show different different things, it kind of gives the overall feel of it. And it's not just zeroing in on one moment and somebody expecting it to be a tag talk because I got deep for 10 seconds. You're right. Because a lot of the time it will be that. It'll be like, yo, he was onto something right there. And yeah. it's like the 20 seconds somebody gave some profound fucking wisdom. And right. then it cuts into us talking about my mustache three minutes. <laughs> right. Like, wait a minute, what did I just get myself into? You ever interview somebody twice? Like, you have repeat people? Oh, yeah. And, and the thing is, um, I'm going to Chicago, but there's two things with it when it comes to that. For one, don't know if I'm going to be there permanently. However, I hear from a lot of people who go from here to there or just anywhere to a big city like that. They're like, man, there's so much going on there. I don't know how I'm going to go back home. So right. I can't guarantee I'll be back in Flint. But I can guarantee that any Flint artist that wants to come out to Chicago... And this goes for any listening, anybody listening, uh, if you're an artist and you never made it on the show, anything like that. Um, I am happy to host you on the show while I'm in Chicago. I'm going to keep on needing guests, and that'll give you a thing to do while you come out to the city. I, no, any absolutely. artist that comes out, I'm happy to have them, and it's the same exact situation as what we're doing here. You just meet me, we just have a dope conversation, and... Yeah, man. I'm, I'll always have people on twice. So if you're asking about yourself, that's why I say that. Yeah, because I was like, you know, I'm trying to get back to, to the crib really quick. But I feel like this was really good conversation. And if it's sometime later in the week and you're still around and we want to do episode 75, like, you know what I'm saying? I feel like, um, like I in my head, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to walk through the musical journey. I'm probably talk about my back catalog or some shit like that. And then we get in here and start talking about literally just the human experience in general so um i so feel like we could have a more focused conversation for it don't even have appearance. to be focused this is just good conversation and if you're going to be in chicago soon i'm gonna be kicking myself if this is the only one we have oh well, i appreciate that you man i mean it's um it's a gift of mine and and hearing things like that makes me happy to hear it because I that's what I use this platform for is I want to be able to give people a place where they can just come on and just do whatever the fuck they want they can come on and just chat and feel like they're able to express themselves in a way they can't do on their own platform and I'm happy yeah. to give you that platform I'm happy to shine yeah, my light cool. on you like that yeah man it's cool to have you on it's cool to hear you say that and I'm glad you had such a good time that's why yeah, I say yeah, all is, that this is lit this is lit yeah and I'm and I'm don't kick yourself. You, we'll get you back in this room, all right? Real yeah, soon. I promise. Sure. And uh, it, it'll probably be episode like 80 to 85 because I'm hyper oh, speed filming these, shit, these huh? things right okay. now. Yeah, I mean, you know, whenever it comes around, you know, I believe in timing. So, uh, you know, when things line back up again. No, I mean we'll in the next week. Together. Like, I'm filming 10 episodes no, no, in the week. I know, I know. I'm saying, you know, <laughs> I saying. believe in timing. So the next time, you know, we line up and we get our schedules to match, I'm with it. All right, for sure, man. And again, I really appreciate you for stopping by. Is there any um final message you want to drop for the people if they're watching this? Um, if they stuck around through the end, if they need some advice, they're sitting there, they're grinding their teeth, they're kicking themselves, they don't know what to do, what would right. you tell them? Um, I would tell them that everything that you're searching for through validation is already in yourself and you don't have to wait on somebody else to tell you that you're great or you're amazing or that what you're doing has purpose. It does. Um, you apply that purpose and you walk in that purpose with your energy. So whatever you're harboring, whatever you're thinking hard on and whatever your heart is telling you you want to do, but you can't think of the circumstance where you'll be able to pull it off, just start. Nothing happens until you start. We are the stories we tell ourselves. Thank you so much for being here. 
that goes for my guest, that goes for everybody watching. You're awesome. You stuck through this whole thing. You're amazing. And I want you to take away from this, go do something even awesomer. Even awesomer. Even awesomer. <laughs> it's funny. I've, that's the second time I've ever done that where I'll go throughout the whole podcast talking normal. And at the very end, I just like <laughs> devolve into some, some type of soup. It's crazy. But go do something even more awesome than what we're doing right here. That's my whole thing. That's all I ever want to see is people shine brighter than me. So please, go do something cool. I beg you. I'm begging, literally. Thank you so much for watching. Rose Radio. Clocking out.